Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 147 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today, um, I'm glad we rescheduled this because we were doing this a couple months ago, I think, and we ended up having to reschedule. But um, yeah, Mike Castine from, well, two things, Jubert Castine Farms, also Big Show Productions, which I love that name. Um, Mike is just kind of a, a local guy that's been a bu- doing a bunch of stuff, kind of two completely different. You got, you got the... Uh, like I said, DJing and farm and the farming. So, uh, Mike, for people that do not know you, kind of give us just a quick background, who you are, where you came from, what okay. are you up to now? All right. Um, well, I grew up in the uh, family uh, business. Um, it used to be a dairy farm um, when I was a young kid. Uh, my brother and I would always, uh, we grew up together doing the uh, dairy farm. We would get up early in the morning sometimes. Uh, my dad would usually have to you know, forced us out of bed, which was actually most of the time for myself. My brother was the early morning riser. Mm-hmm. Um, we both worked on the farm for as young kids, um, and we continued that journey until my father and family, my mother, decided to sell the farm in 1997, um, the dairy farm. Um, but we never, the farm has never been without uh, animals. It's it's been in the, the Jubert family for well over a hundred years. Um, so we're still keeping it going. Um, so that's that part. And then we just started the beef business after we sold the dairy farm, just cause my father really enjoyed uh, farming and I'm trying to follow in his footsteps. So now the Juberts is what side? That, That'd be my mother's side. That's your mother's so yep. Jubert Castine's literally just two names together. Yes, sir. Yep. Um, is your dad, your dad is mad dog, right? Yep. Richard Castine. Yep. Okay. Mad dog. So, um, so growing up on the farm, is that something that like you know, kind of, I, I see a lot of like work ethic and all that. And like, it, it just, you grew up in like, I think anybody growing up on the farm just grows up and knows how to work. It just knows right. how to put their head down and just get stuff done. Right. For me, it's more of a, um, a family thing, I guess. I've always just wanted to, uh, to keep the farm going. Um, I, I really looked up to my grandfather, uh, Virgil. Um, we always called him Poppy. Um, and I think that's why my brother Pete and I have a really good relationship was because of the farm style living. Um, you know, we had to get along because if we didn't, then, uh, my father and mother, you know, would, would let us know, uh, you know, you better get along cause you got to work together and things like that. So what do you remember most about being a kid growing up in the farm that might be different than now? Um, <clears throat> rock picking, um, because recently we've, uh, we've done some fields and I remember those days of, uh, um, my father, uh, on the tractor, but he would also get off and pick rocks with us and then just how hard he worked. And at the end of the day, I just remember him laying on the ground um, and just covered in dirt just from, you know, picking so many rocks and, and things like that from in the morning till night and uh, hay season, uh, things like that. So uh, what age were you before, when you started picking up chores on the farm? Um, you know, I, I, probably, I probably lied to a lot of people when I say <laughs> like five years old, yeah. but that's not true. Um, I would probably say, you know, the ages of, you know, eight to 10 yeah. is when I started to, um, my brother would always... He would take care of the dairy cows part in the morning when we he would feed them, and I would take care of the heifer barn, which was the 
basically now is transitioned into a chicken and goats and rabbits barn. I too would take care of the heifers. I'd, I'd feed them, clean the barn and things like that as a young kid. Um, one of the, so I talked to a guy one time and a good friend of mine, he was talking about like interviewing. He goes, the question you always have to ask people if you're going to interview them is when they got their first job. And I didn't think about that. And it makes a difference when you, you really see someone that is driven and has the work ethic and you ask them when their first job was a lot of the times it's when they're typically working papers. You might get around 14, like official working papers, but kids were work, you know, like me, I grew up working at 14, you know, legally on the books, but then you were mowing lawns and doing stuff as a kid growing up. So when you say like seven, eight and you go all the way back to like, Hey, my first job really was about seven or eight years old. And I've been, been, you know, working nonstop for 30, 40 years. It's like, wow. Like that, that to me look shows a lot about a person when they start at a young age versus some kid that's like college gets his first job. Like, how did you get your first job in college? I've seen kids like that. Like, right. what'd you do in high school? Like what did you in junior high? Like just hung out and play video games or something. So, um, is that now with you having daughters are about that same age, are they starting to get out there and do that? Um, you know, we're at a different time. Mm -hmm. As you know, things aren't the same as they used to be when we were kids. Um, my, my daughters and my, my nephew and niece, they, and you know, being a coach also on the side, I noticed that, you know, certain kids, you know, the type of lifestyle they live is always based on the, the type of lifestyle they grew up in. And I could tell, with my kids and um, my niece and nephew, you know, they have a little different work ethic and, you know, passion for certain things because they, they've seen what my wife Renee and I have done. Um, my brother and his wife have done, you know, so um, yeah, it's, I, I can't say they're, my daughters are nearly what me and my brother were because this is not, we're in a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't ask um, my 10 year old Addison to, to get up in the morning and say, Hey, we're going to pick rocks all day because we just don't do that anymore. We yeah. don't, we don't have, we don't do corn or anything. So we don't have to, well, I was thinking that it must be a little bit different now than it was back then. Like you said, it's just evolved and technology right. and just maybe being a little bit more, uh, efficient or, or, uh, simplistic on certain things. Right. Um, beef farming and dairy farming are two completely different things, uh, as far as work ethic. Um, dairy farming is nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I could not, I could not, uh, wear my father's, uh, shoes or my grandfather. Um, it just, it's not, I guess I don't even have the work ethic that they did. It was uh, extremely difficult, um, work. And a lot of farmers out there will, will say that, you know, now we live in a time where a lot of farms are bigger, you know, everything is equipment's bigger, everything's More automated. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, well, I had Dylan on and he was saying the same, uh, Dylan Snell and Dylan, basically said the same thing. He goes, beef, like you definitely work when you have, you know, beef or cattle for, uh, for beef versus, um, or we call it heifer. Is that like you said, there's dairy and there's, well, the heifers are, you know, the young ones that are going to be become a dairy cow. What would you so. classify the different from, uh, dairy farming to, um, like what you do when you, you raise, you raise, uh, you know, you raise beef to be basically slaughtered for meat. Like how, what's the name of that versus it's the same. It's the same concept. You still call it dairy. No, no, it's just straight beef. Beef. So okay. basically, you know, dairy, there's different, you know, different, uh, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but you have black Angus or you have Angus mm-hmm. for beef. Um, and technically for dairy, you know, Holstein, um, Holstein's, you know, they produce more milk than are they what a beef different cows. Yes, they are. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, Angus are, you know, red Angus, black Angus, they, you know, they don't carry as much uh, milk as what a dairy cow would. 
Um, so when you're dealing with beef cattle, like you, you have a lot of Angus. When you hear like Angus beef, that's like this type of cat or type of uh, cow that it is or cattle. Yep. Okay. Yes, sir. Um, so, so again, like I said, I, I didn't grow up like I mean, I grew up near up the near the miner farm. Went to you know saw cows as a kid and stuff. But then to hear at least when Dylan talked about it, he said that you know for beef for producing beef or beef cattle that you do a lot of work, but it's seasonal. And he goes, it's not so much like you get up every day. You go up every day and you check them. And I mean, I'm sure you, is that something you do too every day? Just kind of keep your eye on them. See, see, are they healthy? Nobody's injured. Nobody's hurt. Right. Nobody's uh, lost. Right. My, uh, now, um, back to Dylan real quick. The difference between Dylan and I is Dylan's extremely well-educated in this line of work. Um, I, this is what he went to school for mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's the same concept. And, and you know, I want to be able to do what I'm doing without my wife, Renee. She, she's a big part of the, what we do at the farm. You know, she gets up a lot more than I do to go check on the cows. Just like you said, every morning, um, a couple times throughout the day, especially during calving season, calving season is definitely a, a chore of, um, going out there. How long does that last? Calving season for us, it usually lasts, it starts in April and ends. Uh, we just had our last one probably about a month ago. Uh, so um, it lasts, you know, a couple months. Now, are you the one, are you facilitating the birth or does it happen? Cause that's Dylan. He said he's, I mean, I think he's helped out if, the, you know, a cow's breached or something mm-hmm. like that. But for the most part, the, the, the mother can pass the cow by right. herself. Right. Everything. Um, I know what Dylan talked about. He artificially uh, inseminates uh, his animals. Mm-hmm. We actually get our bull from uh, Trowbridge farms down in Gantt, New York. Um, Phil Trowbridge, who is the president of the Black Angus Association. Okay. Uh, we get a bull from him every uh, couple of years. And it's the, my father always stressed, you know, um, everything is, is based on the bull. You want a good bull. Uh, if you have a good bull, then that means the birthing is going to be good for the, um, for the mothers and things like that. But no, I have assisted before. Uh, we just had a, a memory on our Facebook yesterday of uh, Jake, of what we call the 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 uh, animal okay um lena who was the mother who was actually my youngest daughter's name um we had to assist her last year and she was actually she couldn't stand for uh, 10 days um but with the help of uh of course dupree's feeds who we we get all our stuff from robbie dupree is this is top notch um anything we need um that it was a sunday and i remember renee we we contacted his sister renee who also works at the store and we said hey we need I forgot what they're called, but they go around the cow's uh, legs so they can help them get them up. Mm-hmm. And she dropped what she was doing, met us at the store. Or no, she actually got the stuff, brought them to the farm herself. You know, and a lot of people don't do that. Or, you know, and it was very, like I said, Dupree's Feeds is definitely, uh, we love that place. How, how's this, uh, how many cows do you have? Right now we have, uh, I want to say total with calves and everything, we have 33 and I'm assuming that's deemed like a small farm. Yes. So yeah. how's the small farm um, industry community locally? Right. So um, when my father was doing this, he always kept around 50 or 60. And to, in the beef business, that's actually like a good amount um, in the, for around here. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously out west, you know, you're talking thousands of beef cattle. But around here, you know, if you keep the numbers between, you know, you know 30 and 40, uh, we just it, – it, it keeps the people like our same customers. We usually have the same customer base. I know that you and your wife have bought from us yeah. before. Um, we keep the same people, um, and it gives us enough to supply all our current customers. So when you have, you said thirty something. Um, how many in a year would you slaughter for meat? We like to do between six and eight. 
That's all you do. Right. Okay. Yep. And then, so the other, and the rest of them, they start to just kind of keep growing and then you keep having calves that kind of yes. keep just filling in. So you always keep 30, say 30, what do you say 35, 36. Um, well, when my father, uh, basically and my mother, they, they, you know, they were wanted to retire. Um, we, we sold off a lot of animals cause we weren't sure if this is what I wanted to do. And Renee, my wife wanted to do, but we decided it is what we want to do just cause we, we love it. Um, so we sold a lot of animals off when my dad decided, you know, it was time to retire and things like that. But now, so we only started with, I think nine at the time and we're gradually building the herd back up. So when you slaughter six to eight cows a year, how much, how much meat and I guess pounds would that, would that be? Cause I know it can vary, but like if right. you had to put a ballpark. Um, well each animal we would like to try to get hanging weight between six to, you know, seven hundred seven hundred and fifty pounds hanging weight. Hmm. And then uh, divide it, you know, people get quarters, halves, and holes and things like that. That's how we, that's our biggest business is quarter, halves, and holes. That's how we like to sell um, our meat is is that way. We do also sell individual packaging for ground meat, which mm-hmm. is our biggest seller by far. Uh, people absolutely Yeah, we have love. a ton of that at our house. Right, yeah. right. We just um, had some last night, actually. Well, that's good. B- well, made a, uh, my wife made a bolognese sauce thing with spaghetti oh, and we used the meat, yeah. That yeah, was good, right? Oh, it's, it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, our ground meat is... I don't know what it is, but my father, he, you know, was, we were big, we were grass fed, um, mm-hmm. at the time we still are grass fed, but we're transitioning into staying grass fed, but we also would like to offer grain fed. So we, we obviously we have to keep the, the beef separated from each other, obviously the grass fed and the grain fed, because we don't like to give the grass fed any grain at all. Um, because some, some customers, they just don't like the uh, taste of grass fed, you know, it tastes gamey and things like that to them, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. It's just, but grass fed obviously is better for you than grain fed beef. So you, would, you so adding in the grain fed, that's purely because you want to uh, appeal to the taste of some clients or clientele. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. There's no like, like if you, if you had to pick, you know, if it was up to you, it'd be all grass fed. Well, if it was up to me, <laughs> because, you know, being a, bigger individual i love grass-fed hamburger Mm -hmm. to me grass-fed hamburger there's nothing better but i love grain-fed steak i know that okay that sounds weird but you know um people know the fattier the steak the the more marvelization and better taste uh so yes i i definitely like grass-fed uh ground meat better but i would prefer grain-fed steak so and there's a a clear difference on that yes okay so what's your favorite steak if you had to pick. Um, probably gonna have to. I I love fillet, but so T bone, I guess. Okay. It's basically, that's where the, um, you know, I but the I fillet is the one that kind of rests in on one side yep. with the strip on the other. Yep. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So uh, between T bone and uh, you know, uh, ribeye, you know, prime rib, that's yeah. my uh, my go to. Is ribeye the same as prime rib? Um, I think I had so, this conversation might have been with Jimmy. Prime rib is. He said it's it's a different cut of meat, right? Well, so, so or, no, but when you you can order like uh, when you go to like a slaughterhouse, you know, mm-hmm. you go to Tri Town where we get all our meat um, processed. Th- what they'll do is they'll take the rib eye out and say, "Had like some or the prime rib out," and I'd like some, um, you know, Delmonico is basically, I want some cuts off of the prime rib, um, and that's basically a rib eye. You know, you just get whatever. So, so the so a rib eye comes from the prime rib, ba- basically, yes. Because I always find, can you? Can you put prime rib, I, I know it's usually not cooked this way, I don't think, but like I typically a prime rib and it doesn't feel very, uh, um, there's nothing hard on the outside. I, what's that called? Like a, 
not marbleization, but like when you put it on the grill and you kind of singe the outside or mm-hmm. you sear it and it kind of has a crunch on the outside. That's the fat, yep. Yeah, prime rib, I, I find, never has that. It always just seems very like chewy to me. Right. Now, what's the difference between the two? Because I I don't mind prime rib, but typ- typically when I, I feel like I get prime rib, it doesn't taste as good as if I had like a ribeye that's been either on the grill or, or right. a cast iron or something like that. Well, prime rib is always, you know, it's cooked differently than ribeye. You know, a ribeye, you're going to, you're going to want to, like you said, you're going to put on a grill. Um, you're probably going to take more, you know, low, slow approach on a grill. But in a, with a prime rib in an oven, you know, it's just baking there all day. Um, and that, you know, that prime ribs just, well, ribeye is just fatter. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know what I said before about ribeye coming from the prime rib. Um, you know, and that's where Dylan comes into play. He's a lot more educated than I've ever been when it comes to things like that. Um, I'm the type of farmer that, you know, you just, hey, you know, Mike, we like a, you know, we just like a half or a quarter from you. Can we get the same thing? And I'd be sure to raise the best possible animal, po- you know, and if they have any questions about certain cuts and things like that, we always say, you know, when you call Tritown, Jeff always answers if he's not uh, extremely busy and he'll go step by step. And, um, you know, some people are going to probably kill me for saying this, but you can also call Shane, you know, because. Shane Dutail? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I grew up with a guy, but. Yeah. You know, um, he, he's already got a monster head, um, but he is extre- <laughs> he's extremely smart when it comes to this type of stuff. You yeah, know? he's got, I, I, I saw, um, so I had a friend of, um, you know Matt Craig at all? Uh, a little bit, yes. Kind, kind of lo- local buddy from around town, but he has a, a small farm and he does um, a lot of pigs. So we've bought pigs from him and he usually brings up the Shane. So I went one time to pick it up at Shane's and he's, he's got a pretty cool operation in there too. Yes, he does. Yes. Um, so, and again, I don't know much about the butchering aspect of it, but you know, he, he does quite a bit of it. So, um, but yeah, if you go, so if you were to get say a quarter or a half or a full, like if I said, Hey Mike, I want a half a cow. Is it already broken up? Kind of like, here's the standard way we've broken it up. And if you want to call it and get it a little more customized, you can. But like for the most part, if I say half a cow, like what what do you get in half a cow? Right. Okay. So um, when when we call, you say, "Hey, Galen, uh, your your animal's ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. All you got to do is call Jeff at Tritown. Now they offer it online, which is pretty cool. Um, and they'll give you step by step instructions on what what would you like. You know how thick you'd like your cuts and things like that. I can. You know, some people don't know. Um, you know what they want to get. Mm-hmm. So I'll just explain to them. You know, you can get your you know, your ribeyes, your T-bones, um, your sirloins and things like that. Um, your cube steak, or you can get, just get hamburger. You can get, you know, a lot of other specialty items, but Jeff at Tritown is absolutely amazing. You know, he'll go step by step and, you know, and then, and if they'll be like, well, I don't know. And he'll be like, well, the, the recommendation is this, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, we're the same way if people have questions and we'll try to answer them best as we can. So when you get like a half, half a cow, I mean, are you talking, cause you don't only get so much of each, right? Like you can't just say, I want um, half a cow and I want 80% of it to be ribeye because there's only so much p- portion of the right. cow that can be a ribeye. Right. So a lot of it, like what's the majority of it? Just uh, like the ground beef that you can make down? Right. So basically, because um, that's why when we sell, you know, we sell hang and weight. So say if, uh, for instance, you get a quarter of a cow and it weighs 175 pounds, you're not getting 175 pounds of actual meat because that's just the hang and weight. You know, you got to cut up all the fat, all the all the excess stuff that you, you don't want. Does that include bones and ligaments and all that stuff? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, but no hide or anything, and um, so that's that's stripped of the animal and all okay. that stuff. So, um, so yeah, like I 
one customer we had, you know, they said they, the slip said 175, for example. And they're like, well, we went home and we, we weighed the meat and we didn't get 175 pounds of meat. You know, we got to explain to them, well, no, cause you're paying hanging weight. You know, that's just, that's just the going. So if you, anything you buy is based on hanging weight. Yes, sir. Yep. Gotcha. Um, so like we typically, we, I mean, we have to get it soon cause we're pretty much out of steak. Cause right. all we, all, I know last time we ordered, we ordered a bunch of ground beef, which, um, man, I, our freezers, we have a chest freezer downstairs. I got to get a stand up one, but our chest freezer downstairs, especially when you bring everything over, it pretty much fills up our chest right, freezer. Right. Um, and the amount of food, I mean, I just, like you said, you notice a difference when you cook with it. We, I don't know the last time we bought anything. The only time we've ever bought beef from a store is if we want to buy like hamburger patties pre-made because we have to cook it quick because we just want to prep it. Right. Majority of the time though, I just, I will take the meat, you know, we frost it, mix it all up. I usually do a kind of a mixture for say hamburgers and just kind of put them into patties and cook them that way. So most of the time we make it from, I say scratch, but take your meat and make it from, you know, the raw meat to something else. And, um, I don't know the last time we actually bought a lot of stuff from the store that was not Jubert cast iron beef. Cause it's right. been a while. It's been a few years that right. we've reached prim- eat primarily that. Um, now do you guys cook any, is it just beef? There's no, there's no, uh, you guys don't do pigs or anything like that? Um, we, we used to do pigs, um, but we found that it was very, very expensive to raise pigs the right way. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of farmers, you know, which is fine because uh, we would probably do the same thing if we were still milking. You know, a lot of uh, farmers, they'll feed milk to their pigs and things like that. But we were feeding straight grain um, to our pigs. Um, they were also pastured pigs, um, but it was just, it was expensive to raise them. And then... To turn around and even to make any profit at all, you're not after you run the numbers and everything. You're not really making anything. The margins are pretty small, right? In what you do, right? Yes. Because um, I know that's what Dylan was saying. He goes, "You really, it's like he goes, if you have a bad, uh, you know, if you have rain that might destroy some crops that day, he goes, that could wipe out most of your profit for right. the year. And it's it's crazy how much just hangs on Mother Nature. I mean, you hear like the farm, farmers' almanac and all these things, but you know, I don't think there's any other industry that's more affected by the weather than farmers. You know, and it's right. Or, or I should say catastrophic. People can be affected, but it's not going to be like, you know, the, the fact of uh, paying your bills or making money or not. Like you say, like, a, you know, a sporting event might get rained out or a fair might get, you know, or, or some organization might get rained out. But it's right. more of a function, not, not you know, right. means to an end kind of thing. So um, now, did Renee grow up on a farm? No, she had nothing to nothing to do with farming at all. She when she met me, she she didn't even uh, expect to. You know, we we're going to own that place someday and then raise our kids on it. But if you were to ask her, I, I think she would say that um, she wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, she's, I honestly think that someday she likes it more than I do. So, um, was it an easy transition, easy transition to get her in on that? Um, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times I have to tell her to uh, slow down. Um, we recently had a, a, something happened at the farm, um, where she thought it would be all right to put the tractor right through the, right through the barn. Um, <laughs> okay. Big hole and everything, and she's going to kill me for talking about it on her. But what was surprising <laughs> about it was um, I didn't get upset one bit um, with her. You know, I, yeah. was, I was emotionally upset just because, you know, it brings back memories and things like that. Um, but I I didn't yell or do any of that stuff because at the end of the day, um, her dad was there, and he's always very, uh, you know, patient individual when things, you know, break or happen, you know. Um, because farming, you know, back then, you know, if something breaks, you're like Dylan said, you know, you're so concerned about the price of something because yeah, and you fix it. Right. Exactly. And then you got to worry, you know, you know, you don't, you don't make, we don't make 
let's just say this. We don't do the farming to, to run our family. You know, mm-hmm. we both, she's a teacher. I work for the government and things like that. Um, we run the farm to basically just pay the taxes and uh, keep it in the family. Uh, yeah. We, we love to hunt, so. Um, yeah, so a lot, like I said, it's a labor of love. And for right. you, it's it's a lot of nostalgia there, too, because right. it brings in and ties into the family. Um, now, flipping gears a little bit, because like I said, you, you uh, from farming to Big Show Productions, right. yep. how, how did you, uh, how did that start? Like the whole gig, like how did you get into DJing? How'd you get into like the whole wedding scene? Um, so when I was 16 years old, I was at, I don't remember. Oh, it was a school dance at Northeastern. Um, that was kind of a big deal. Um, <laughs> big so, show, right? right? That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, Entertainment Unlimited was the DJ. Yep. And they've they're they've been long gone. Um, but I walked. They uh, I went up there to request a song, and they're like, "Hey." Uh, you know, you're pretty outgoing. Do you want a job? And I'm like, sure. And I, I think I did one or two things with them, but that was it. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to buy my own stuff. So I bought my own stuff. I did it for cheap. I mean, it was the worst of the worst equipment. So what year was this around? Um, so it would have been 2002, maybe 2000 when I started, when I bought my own. Were you out of school at the time? No, I graduated in 2003. So you're still in school. Yep. Okay. And then I said, it was like a little hobby thing. I didn't really do anything. I didn't do any dances or nothing. <laughs> um, and then uh, my cr- track coach from college, uh, Brett Wilmot, okay, uh, got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, uh, "Allie and Brett got a hold of me and Mike, you want to DJ it?" I'm like, "I, I guess it's probably not gonna be very good, but uh, sure." I had like 21 CDs of the best songs that I could think of. Was like the now CDs? Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they got married at Valcor. Um, and I DJ their wedding and it was just, you know, they probably think it was amazing. But now that I think back in the day, I remember my wireless mic was, didn't work, things like that. And it just, I'm like, yeah, this isn't not for me. Um, and then I sold, I actually traded all that stuff for an ice shanty. Okay. Yeah, okay. I know. And then, uh, Brandon sample from, uh, yep. Uh, the rainbow room in Altona, uh, contacted me and said, Mike, you want to DJ with me? I said, sure. So I, um, I went and DJed with him a couple times and then I thought, Cause he was kind of trying to get on the way out because he's, you know, uh, running the show up there mm-hmm. now. And, um, so I just said to Renee, I said, I think we should just buy my own equipment and go on our own. And ever since then, uh, it's been, it's been crazy. Um, and then we started the, we bought a photo booth and now we do our biggest, to me, our biggest thing is our videography. Mm-hmm. Um, people love that. Uh, so, so going back a sec. So when you took over for uh, Brandon, what, when was that? Um, so year wise, was that? I didn't take over. I just, be, I, I want to say, or I should say since he's been out and you went in cause, uh, cause I remember he did that for, he, does he do it anymore? Or no, no, he does okay. not DJ anymore. No. Um, cause I remember, he, I, well, I remember both of you, like you did our wedding. Right. So I remember that. And then I, um, I've seen him at other weddings, but it's been a while. So like, I, right. I don't know when he actually dipped out. I would say probably about 2012 is when, or maybe 2011 is okay. when our business started to go off. we started off, we were called, uh, Dance rhythm because uh, Brandon was dance rhythms. Okay, and I was dance rhythm. Uh, it's it's one way or the other. I don't know who was who. I forgot. <laughs> uh, um, so I decided. I said to Renee, I said we probably should change our name because people were getting us mixed up. You know, they were they thought I was him, he was me, which I don't know how. Yeah, um, I'm much better looking. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, naturally. For, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I said, babe, we should change it. And well, what do you want to change it to? 
Um, well, at work, um, all my coworkers call me Big Show. I don't know why. Um, so I decided to Big Show Productions. So you kind of resemble big, the Big Show. I do the wrestler. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Like if if you were to like put on the wrestling gear and get in the ring, yeah. He's he's probably got how tall are you? I'm six three. Yeah, he's, he was he was he's pretty good. Yeah, so, I was gonna say he yeah. was a pretty big guy. Um, so, um, you started DJing and how how old were you when you fir- did your first gig the uh, the Wilmots? Um, oof. like I young, was, like yeah, I was. Well, I mean, I, no, I wasn't mid twenties, late twenties. Yeah, I was probably twenty years old. Oh, so it was a quite yeah, that's quite yeah. a while then. Yeah, seventeen years. Yeah. So when you wait, when you said two thousand two, that was still were you still in high school when you did the. No, no. When I I worked for Entertainment Limited for a couple of years, and I did my own thing. Okay. Where I was just you know playing like I just bought all the equipment. I didn't really do anything with it. Um, and then when I got to college, and then when Brett and Allie um, got I don't know when they got maybe they got married in 05. I but I'd you have, were in college at the time. Yes. Yeah, so yes. you're still pretty young doing it. Yes. Um. Now, how, when you're DJing, like what's the What's the mindset when you're there? Obviously, you're like reading the crowd. You're playing the music. Do you have a playlist scheduled already? Do you just kind of wing it based on the crowd? Do you have like how do you how do you structure everything when you go into you know like start to finish? Here's a wedding or here's some kind of let's say a wedding. Keep it easy. You're at a wedding. Like how's that whole start to finish entail? Like the prep work, the the deciding on songs, deciding on playlists, deciding on the vibe, deciding on the lights. Um. Every wedding's different for us, um, you know. And I'm, we have. I've learned from some really good uh, DJs around here: um, Randy, Kevin, um, Skippy, uh, Matthews. When he used to do it, you know. I've so uh, Chris Washburn. Um, I've been looking a lot of his. He's he went to PHS, um, so I've watched a lot of his videos um, and things like that. But each wedding's different. Um, when we show up we care like, like a lot about what's going on. We want everybody to have a good time. So yeah, if we see the crowd isn't, you know, involved in the music we're playing, we find the right song and the right, you know, uh, structure. And then we'll continue that. Uh, we'll stay with that and we'll keep going until we find the right, what's going to work for that day. You know, if we start playing a couple songs and nothing's going on, you know, um, especially around here because we have such a short, uh, summer Mm -hmm. and spring. So uh, we always have two people DJ with us because I feel having two people is very important. Um, one person to basically run the microphone, which has been lately Jason Bory. He's been doing he's all great. Yeah. Uh, un- unbelievable. Yeah. I think he, he was with you at our wedding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's, uh, I, I love that guy. Did if, you go to school with him? Uh, he went to the same school, but he's, uh, don't yell at me, Jason, but he's a lot older than I am. Okay. So I, I um, thought so when you said 2003, I'm like, I think, I think Jason's a little bit older than yes, that. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's, He's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't mind talking on a microphone, um, but I do get nervous. Jason. Jason, no. There's nothing that faces no. that guy. Yeah. No. He's he, great. And he's hilarious. He gets the crowd going. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, we, you know, we'll, a lot of people like to hang out outside in the beginning of a wedding, uh, especially depends where the venue is mm-hmm. and things like that, because we have such a short spring and summer. They haven't seen people in a while. So sometimes some of the people that work for me, including myself, would be like, oh, man, nobody's dancing. But be, you know, be patient. We just had a wedding uh, two weeks ago in Shay-Z at Vesco's. And we're like, oh, man, you know, but it was beautiful out. People were playing cornhole, things like that. I said, ah, it's, it, it's not going to be a big deal. And we ended up staying two hours later because everybody was having a blast dancing mm-hmm. when it got dark out and things like that. So you, you got to go by the crowd, but at the same time, you got you to see what's going on. So do you have a playlist set prior? Or do you kind of, like, in my mind, you like, I would look at, 
if I knew as like who the couple was that was getting married and kind of knowing the age, kind of knowing the vibe, kind of maybe knowing their friend group or, or kind of the general idea. Like if you got someone that, Hey, this guy maybe played on a sports team is going to have a lot of guys that play, you know, soccer or lacrosse or something, or, Hey, I know these people they are a little more reserved, a little quieter. Do you base music off of that? Or is it like, um, we'll send a list, uh, or a form out to all the couples and we'll say, hey, you know, and it has all the genre. It's actually a list that uh, I think Brandon Sample made okay. or a form. And uh, it, it tells us basically what kind of genre they like um, and go go like that. And then we also say, if you want any other, you know, songs played, just put it on that on this form. And then that can give me justification on what they would like. As far as playlists, the only place, playlists I set up are the, you know, like the ceremony, the, the special dances, the intros, things like that. As far as... Uh, uh, music goes we have files on our computers um you know you know hits things like that where we can just click on it and it gives us all the top songs that are playing and, um, and then you just kind of keep you yep. kind of like yeah. i guess build your own kind of playlist for the night yes exactly um so are you keeping up to date on like all, obviously the current music so because of covid you know there was a big break yeah um and so that's been a kind of downfall and I don't know if it's just because I'm I'm just getting older, um, but music is just not is just not good like it used to be. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just um, you know TikTok's kind of taken over and things like that. Um, but you know the oldies still work. You know mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the old time rock and roll. Oh, uh, Bob Seger. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, like I said, music is just not the is you know it's just not the same. Well, um, do you find? Uh... Is there times you play music where it might be like a, a trend music? It's not really like when you say like TikTok where you take these things that I remember uh, there was a couple videos that went viral where the song was used in like clips and everybody did it to the song, but it wasn't necessarily a hit or it was an older song that came back. Um, do you sometimes pull those into the mix if you know they're kind of like pop culture, they're relevant right now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be something like I I look at uh, like the newer music, I'm I'm terrible at new music. I'm actually terrible in general. I don't keep up with current events. I'm, I'm. If if you told me right now, give, name me one top ten song in America, I couldn't do it. And it's just, I just don't listen to it. So like I listen to the same music over and over again, which is the stuff I went to high school with, you know. Right. And I kind of, you know, now I'm starting to laugh because when we were kids, as I'm sure your parents were, they listened to the music they grew up with, and then they're listening to your music, and and they never listened to the new stuff, and. Um, there was always like my, you know, I grew up with the music my mom listened to as a kid. Cause that's what she always had playing. So I like, I'm, a, I'm very pretty knowledgeable, like the set sixties and seventies. And then, you know, the eighties, I was terrible. Early nineties, terrible. And then I started getting into music and then it stopped about, you know, late two thousands. And then it was just kind of, that was it right. like t- 2010, 2020. I mean, I might like you played it. I'm like, yeah, I've heard this song before, but I couldn't tell you who plays it or sings it or, um, but yeah, it's just funny how like music. You, you kind of find your niche. You just stay in that lane right. for years. Right. A lot of people, they think this because I DJ and um, they're always, especially at work, they're like, hey, what's the name of this song? I, I don't know. You know, I've, I play thousands of songs. You're mm-hmm. asking me to, you know, it's, I'm not, m- my father is, is extremely smart. Like he would probably remember, you know, everything. But me, you're asking the wrong person. You know, that's why Ryan Kerner, um, when he worked for me, he was extremely, he kn- knows more about music than anybody I've ever met. And he's, a young, you know, he's younger, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just, I get what you're saying as far as, you know, the time, it's just, things have changed. It's, I know we're not that old, but it's music is just not, um, it's just not like it used to be. Let's just put it. But that like, way. if you, if you had like a, you know, 
top 20. Like you could go on and find the top 20 list and just kind of listen through them and be like that one, that one. Because right. you could get like a top 20. Like there's no way I'm playing this at, a, at like a, you know, whether the, you know, the lyrics or whether the, uh, just the overall vibe and music. Like, you know, sometimes it's probably some rap songs you're probably not going to play at a wedding, like a right. big dance wedding. Um, now what about the do not play? Like, like I, I remember when we got married, Gina... I didn't fill it out because I'm pretty lenient on what goes, what gets played. But there was no country allowed, and there was no dance, uh, which you know, uh, like line dance songs, right. like uh, Macarena. She wouldn't want like songs right. like that. So, do you get people that are similar to that, or do you get people that are? Does anybody just say play whatever you want? We don't care, um, or only country, or only? I would say that seventy five seventy five percent of the weddings we do, they want, they just, they trust us. Okay, but I do have twenty five percent of the weddings. You know, they'll put. No chicken dance. And then I always have a person, of course, it, it would happen at this wedding. A person will come up saying, hey, can you play the chicken dance? My response to everybody is, "Is uh, I don't have that song. And they're like, how could you not have the chicken dance or the electric slide? Yeah. Just because I'm, I'm, you know, of course I have those songs. Yeah. But it's just, I have to definitely talk to the bride first before I decide I'm going to ruin my reputation by playing the chicken dance. Um, so. It's, do you, uh, have you ever had people like, get mad at you for not playing a song? Yes. I remember it like it like was Like verbally upset? Like maybe a couple too too many drinks in and all of a sudden you're not playing like, I, I don't even know, like Rihanna or something. Right. You're like freaking out. Right. Um, the I forgot the name of the song. I, I can't believe I'm forgetting it. Ryan would remember it because it happened to Ryan. <laughs> it was years ago. Um, the bride put on the forum, do not play this song. Um, crazy. Uh, I don't know if I can say that word on this or not, but. Oh, um, Buck Cherry. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, you can, you can swear on it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Crazy Bitch by yeah, Buck yeah. Cherry. Yeah, yeah. This guy comes up. Great br- song. Wild. <laughs> right. But the bride put, do not play that song. It was, she had a list of like 20 songs, don't, and that was one of them. Yeah. This guy kept coming up, you know, older gentleman. He kept saying, hey, can you play Buck Cherry, you know, Crazy Bitch? And Ryan's like, no, you know, and tried explaining to him. But he he did not quit. He kept coming up, kept coming up. And you told him this was requested not to play by the bride. Right. I unfortunately Ryan did because I was busy doing something else, and then the guy started getting uh, a little mouthy with Ryan. So at the time, then I have returned to the to basically the guy requesting, and I said, "Listen, man, we're not playing the song." And then he just went off on us, you know, and this and that, and it didn't bother us because we knew at the end of the day he was, you know, he was having a great time, and it is what it is. But that honestly, I think that's like the only time I can remember where people were, um, you know, of course everybody. It doesn't matter if you're the best DJ in the world. You're not going to please everybody. Yeah. It's just not It's not going to happen. Um, you're lying to yourself if you think it is. Um, the, to me, I'm the type of person, as long as the bride and groom are happy and you know, obviously the parents and things like that, and people did have a good time, I'm all right you know, with a couple people you know, being upset. Well, I think mu- music, like when I really think of a wedding, like the main thing you think about is like people, music, drinking. Like I, I, not like drinking to excess, but like just the amount of just like, you just want the party stuff, like the food. It's great, whatever. It always like typically that's like the uh, the the mother or the or father or the bride. Like, how was the food? Like I'm like, oh, it's great. But like at the end of the day, if you're going to like really go to a wedding, most people are like they want the party, they want the dancing, they want the that's where it's all fun. So like that to me is you have a good DJ, you have good music. They control. If you got a wedding that's four or five hours, you control majority of that because especially when it gets later in the night when everybody goes to the dance floor and you don't have the, you know, the ceremonies, you know, the mingling, you know, the cocktail hour. And it really just becomes everybody's in one spot hanging out typically at the end of the night. And those are your people that are having a good time because they've stayed to the end and they want right. to party. And like you, you guys are basically the, the maestros of that whole, 
that whole scene right there. So I always find that music is so important, especially um, now. I guess talk about the MC portion of it. Okay. Like how does that work with the music? Right. So that's why basically I brought Jason aboard um, a few years ago. Now uh, is because the MC to me is the master. Well, master ceremonies, but they run everything. They run the show. You know, they uh, the DJ. You can have a wedding without um, a photographer, without a videographer, you know, without a photo booth. To me, you cannot have a good wedding without a, a, a decent DJ. It's just not, and you need, that's why we have two people. Um, like, I don't know how some DJs do it where they can do it by themselves. You know, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I look up to those guys. Um, but to me, I like to have two people there because I want somebody to focus on the MC part of it so they can keep the, the bride and groom are there to have a good time. They don't want to know, hey, when am I going to do the next dance? You know, when am I going to do this? When am I going to do that? That's what our job is. And then, um, so the MC, they just keep things rolling, make sure everything's on time, you know, because we got to go by when dinner is and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that's why the MC is very, very important. So, because um, I, I would say it's kind of like back, back in the day when you had like the, uh, you had the DJ and you had the MC, like, you know, and, right. you know, the, the uh, back then it was like the D, the DJ was, was one person, but I always feel like the MC was kind of like, running everything like right. they're, they're basically the, the, the person calling the shots kind of almost like uh you know kind of like basketball like the point guard they're, right. they're running the temple they're running or center midfield in soccer you're kind right. of running the you know what everybody kind of beats around so um you get a guy like jason in there um you know you know i, f- I find that you know you get a little bit of humor you get a little bit obviously there, there's there's a responsibility in the sense you got to be on a certain time but i find that you know, just, just kind of like lightening the crowd and really and cracking jokes, and because at the end of the day, people are there to have fun. Right. Like nobody goes to a wedding and be like, "I like I want to go mopey and and not do anything." So um, now, when it comes down to how do you do, you get like a itinerary before, like this is when the dances are, this is when the wedding is. Like, do you kind of or do you does it go a lot by what you do? Right, no, it goes all by what we do. Okay, um, we so that form we send out, uh, it's a few pages long. That tells us, you know, we ask what time dinner is and things like that. Um, we're basically going on dinner. Okay, so if a ceremony's done, we go to the photographer, the DJ does, and say, okay, you have this amount of time to take pictures. We need them back at this time. So say dinner's, dinner's at 6. We need those the, the what, uh, bridal party back at 5.15. So we need to do intros. We need to do the dances, uh, you know, the first dance, all that stuff. And we also need to do the toast before dinner comes out at 6. You know, for some reason, the speeches take longer than, you know, we... It's on us, you know. You know, if the food's late, then the venue's coming to us saying, "Hey, we got to get this food out." You know, so that's why everything runs off what the DJ is doing. Um, and if you're just a DJ there that's just going to go press play, um, you, you know, you should re- rethink about what you know your line of work mm-hmm. uh, because to me, that's like the easy part. Um, anybody can press play. It's the people like like Jason or Ryan, you know, that work for me. Um, you know, my brother's doing a wedding this Friday for me because I know my brother is extremely, you know, by the, you know, by the book, you mm-hmm. know, he'll, he'll make sure everything's good. Um, yeah, if, if everything, uh, revolves around the DJ, uh, it's very, even the photographers will come up to us. When's the next, when's the next thing? When's the next thing? Um, you know, Renee is always asking me when are you guys going to do the cake cutting and things like that. Um, we don't, you don't ask the venue those things. You ask the DJ. So, uh, DJ is very important. Is Renee all, all the weddings or no? She's, um, if she's not at the wedding that I'm doing, she's at another one. She, okay. She is. Yep. Yep. I didn't know if she like went to certain ones or didn't go to certain ones. So, um, now 
in regards to the videography, like how, how was that tied in and kind of run us through that process? So we got married, uh, it'll be 14 years this year. We had videography at our wedding. Um, when I got in the DJing, uh, when it started to get big, I said to her, I said, Renee, we should, uh, there's not a lot of videographers in this area. Um, so I'm like, we should consider getting into, to videography because, um, you know, it's, it's good. It, it's good profit and things like that. And we love our video. You know, I can look at it, watch our video and say, Oh, you know, I used to be skinnier, you know? Um, or it's sentimental things like, uh, Renee's grandmother was in our video, yeah. you know, and that was like her best friend. So for her to see her in the video, you know, it means a lot to her. Um, you know, and we always tell couples, you're only going to get married once, you know, hopefully. And, you know, you always have this video to, to watch and, and things like that. So that's why we got into the video part of it. Um, we really, we just finished one and we were, I, I keep watching it because it, it, it means a lot to us when we see, you know, um, what comes all the hard work that Renee puts into it. Our editor, Josh, Ryan Wood, uh, cause he also does video for us. Um, it just it makes us feel good when we see the finished product. How many how many cameras do you have rolling for that? Uh, we that's another thing with us. We always offer two shooters when it comes to it, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can't. Um, you know we if uh, we got to send Ryan to another wedding um, and then Renee, but Renee's done numerous weddings by herself. But we like to have two shooters going. We always have two cameras going no matter what. If it's one putting one on a tripod and then Renee going around um, or Ryan, you know, getting you know shots here and there. It's the you know, it's a long day for both of them, but the editing part is what is yeah. the hard part. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I've done some, uh, I've edited some videos. I have to do another one probably the next week or two. Um, I mean, I've spent three hours on a one minute video, right? I mean, it's, and people wonder, but I'm like, when you're trying to find the right music, you're trying to find the right, you know, just the right transitions, you know, trying to cut certain things, trying to, you know, if you got to redo any audio, like maybe voices, it's, there's a whole I would say the filming versus the editing. The filming is it's almost like an iceberg. Like the filming's the tip of the iceberg. The editing's all underneath. You don't, you right. don't see it. It's all the back end right. stuff. And then you get this like absolutely perfect finished product. Um, yeah, the how, – now how many weddings do you guys – you can run two a day? So when, Ryan, when Ryan's home, we can. But we're getting away from that because Ryan is uh, – he's, you know, he's, he's been an adult for a long time. You know, he was – he reminds me of my oldest Addison, you know, he was very, I know I'm kind of going off subject here, but he was at the age of 18, he was acting, you know, like a, like an adult, you know, mm-hmm. I could go to that kid for anything. What's his name? Ryan Kerner. Kerner. Okay. Yeah. I said, Ryan, Hey, I need you for this. And he was there. Um, so when Ryan's home, I could send him and Jason to go do a wedding and then I would do a wedding and I would have somebody else work with me. But now Ryan's at chiropractor school and things like that. We are no longer doing double weddings. We do have one this Friday. Um, but that was just because of a COVID, uh, wedding reschedule and things like that. So, so how many people are on, on staff or on call, I guess, if you need them? Um, we have, um, so you got myself, I, including you and Renee, Renee, Jason, um, Ryan, uh, Kerner. Uh, so that's four, Ryan Wood, five, Kayla, who's our photo booth girl. Okay. That's six. I, Justin sample was working for me for okay. a little bit. Yeah. Um, Another good guy. Great guy. Yeah. Um, he's probably the funniest out of the whole. I don't, <laughs> Jason and I have been pretty funny lately. Um, but Justin, he definitely. Is Justin MC too? No, definitely okay. not. No, okay. no, no, no. He'll MC. He only grabs a mic if somebody's like you know, pushing on a speaker or something like that. And he'll let him know, hey, get your hands off the speaker, you know. Um, so, and then Jim Reisdorf. I don't know if you know Jim Reisdorf. Yeah. No. He just started working with us also. 
He just he just did his first one. Uh, Mike Peck, a guy I work with. Okay. My brother Pete, uh, Ryan's brother Caden, um, Kerner's brother. So Caden, close to ten people. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But, okay. But I would say that the only Jason, um, myself, Renee, Ryan, and Kayla, and that, well, and uh, Ryan Kerner when he's home are the only ones that are you know working almost every single weekend. So do you ever get burnt out from that? Yes, that's that's one reason why I actually wanted to do this. You know, just because explain to people that. Uh, we've posted on Facebook and things like that, but starting in 2023, we will only be doing two weddings per month and no more. Okay. Um, with the farm getting bigger and things like that, we want to step. We're you so know, all of next season's pretty much booked up, right? We 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 had to do that because you know a lot of people still moved from this year um, because of COVID till next year, and you know, we want to make sure everybody has their day, mm-hmm. and we don't want to turn anybody around, but or away. Um, so yeah, so starting. T- 2023, we're just going to do two weddings a month. And then, because my oldest Addison is big in the yeah. soccer, uh, I like to, I want to start to go to those tournaments and things like that. Um, plus the farm, you know, does does pretty well as far as, you know, taking care of, the, you know, the bills that, you know, we spend on, you know, soccer and things like that and other yeah. sports. I, I enjoy it, but yes, I am. I'm starting to get to the age. Um, I'm starting to get burnt out. I, I want to say I'm burnt out. Um, because when I show up to weddings, I, I give 110%, you know, I'm never, I, I'm not pushing people away to, to say, Hey, I'm tired. Let's, let's pack it up for well, the night. I don't think it's, it's not the work. It's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily the work you do. It's just the amount of work you do and just the demand on it with everything else. Like I find that like, I love real estate, but you add in like your responsibility with real estate, then you add in the family, then you add in all the other stuff that just has to get done. It's like, like by, before you know it, it's like I just have no time, and it's like you're trying to you're trying to find time, and that usually comes at the detriment of sleep, <laughs> or right. or like I said, health, like working out and things like that. And um, I think it's just it's like a necessary evil just to accomplish all the other stuff. So that's what I was wondering if you're going every single because you might. I mean, some days you're doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday. And yeah, like this weekend we're Friday. We have two Friday and one Saturday. And yeah, it's uh, in October. I think we go Saturday, Sunday. I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three weekends in a row. Yeah. And it's just on top of full-time job, full-time right. family, like, right. Um, yeah. And I, I, that's why I was, I was wondering, cause I mean the people that, you know, the wedding industry, the food industry, like it's fun when you're there, but it's kind of like when you, the day of you're pumped, like you're right. doing it, not mad, but it's like when you look and plan it out and like, oh, I just don't have free time to do something or travel or do something right. like take a vacation especially because you're in the summer, which is our nicest season. And it's for you, that's like prime time. Right. It's like this, this past weekend we planned on uh, cutting and bailing hay because we knew that starting <laughs> this coming weekend that our lives are basically, but I couldn't because it rained all yeah. all night and day. So we got to, I talked to Renee, I'm like, okay, so we got a wedding Friday. we got a wedding Saturday, Sunday morning. We got to get up, you know, we got to bail hay, uh, you know, cut and get ready to, to do all that, you know? And it's just, it's, uh, I don't want to do do all that anymore. I'm, I mean, I'm still young and everything, but I want to. I've I've seen what the farming um, lifestyle can do to certain people, and I I just don't want to to do that. Um, the other thing too, though, is like you said, the girls are getting older and they're involved, right. and that's it's. Uh, like I said, I I make a ton of my decisions based on my kids, like right. and and you know you try to cram as much as you can in, but I'm doing a lot less than I I easily could do just because you know I don't want to take at the end of the day I don't want to you know, jeopardize any family stuff because I'm working more, doing more. And it's like, you know, you gotta, you know, pick and choose and in the future. We'll go back. Cause you know, kids change and stuff. But right now they're just like, my kids are younger and they're so dependent. Your kids are different, 
not as dependent in certain categories, but require more attention because you're traveling and you're, right. you're carting them around to friends' houses and soccer tournaments. Like I haven't hit that yet, which is great, but right. it's coming. So. Right, right. No, you'll <laughs> it, you'll love it. Yeah. Um. Actually, our, our little guy just went to soccer camp this past year. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. it was a blast. And the oldest, and he was. Uh, it, it was fun. I mean, he he's two years younger playing soccer than when I started. I was started when I was five. Um, these kids are three years old playing, right. and it's you watch them that. It's more of trying to get used to other kids and kind of just, you know, right. making sure you're not like, you know, fighting with other kids if they take your soccer ball. So it was good. He kind of got exposed to a bunch of kids and it was fun. So we're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to being the, the parents on the sideline, not in the field. Cause we, we both coach, we both played. Now it's right. like, I just want to chill, man. I want to, I want to get a cup of coffee, relax on the sideline. We'll let someone else do it and just right. hang out and talk with the parents. The, the, the big turning point was, uh, was this year was I went to a tournament in Saratoga and, if, and we looked at Dylan and I said, Hey, and I, you know, I don't trust, uh, we never trust a lot of people on our, on our farms. And I looked at Dylan, I said, uh, Hey, uh, do you mind watching the farm while I go down to, um, watch my daughters? I was only supposed to stay one night, but I had so much fun and I, I was so relaxed and I was so chill. Mm-hmm. I called him. I said, Hey man, what are the odds that I could stay another night? And you know, Dylan being the, yeah, I mean, I, uh, unbelievable Mike, you, of course, absolutely. You go down there, you have fun with your family. And it, it just goes to show you how smart he is. He called me that morning. He says, hey, the number 50 is going to have a calf today. And I got home later that on Sunday, and she, she had a calf. You know, so, But I, that was a turning point with the DJ part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at Renee, and I said, you know, we need to, um, we need to slow down uh, just because, you know, it's going to upset a lot of couples because, you know, obviously it's, you know, there's not a lot of uh, good DJs in this area. Um, and I, you know, uh, Randy and, and Flash have been doing it for, you know, I don't want to say they've been doing it. For, uh, I bet you they've been doing it for 35 years. Yeah. Because when I started, they said they were doing it for 25 years. So, and it's been 10 years and, and they're still going at it, you know, and. What's a career for a DJ? Is that considered long? 25? To me, long. it seems long. Yeah. It's just like you right. just said, like right. constantly doing weekends. The, the, and what's crazy is, is those guys have been doing it that long at that good for all those years. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been, you know, to me, you know, it's like that in any, you know, you know, it's not, you know, a lot of industries, you see a lot of backstabbing, but you don't see that with us. You know, you know, if somebody wants to book with us and we're booked, you know, who do you recommend? You know, and I'll say, I recommend these individuals and it's the same, it's the same thing with them. Um, you know, we all have a really good relationship. Have you guys ever, have you ever had to collaborate with any DJs at weddings? Like work the same wedding or cover or help a guy cover? Um, yeah, well this, for instance, this Friday, we had a circumstance come up for the wedding we have this Friday, but we got taken care of, but I contacted uh, a local DJ and I said, Hey, do you think you can help me out? And his response was, I w- absolutely, I'd love to help you out. But unfortunately he's gone. Uh, he's got another wedding. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing I can do about that. But the, yeah. the, you know, for him to say, absolutely. Um, y- yeah, like I would have done it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Renee works with a lot of other DJs because when she does a videography, she's with them. Um, and oh, so like that's that. a totally separate thing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought that was only like like you guys go in, do your DJing, and then that's part of this. So she's got a whole separate side gig on right. that. Right. Gotcha. That's not, yeah. So for like Saturday, I have to go to Ticonderoga for a wedding, and then she is video a wedding up at the Rainbow Room. So we're wow. completely in two separate. Yeah. So I say we have three weddings. We actually have four weddings this weekend. So. Gotcha. Um, so where do, how do people know, like, why are you going to Ticonderoga? It's like people, you know, or yeah. word of mouth or they're local. Uh, okay. They're from Saranac area. And, um, I grew up, I, I somewhat grew up with him. He, I mean, he's a little younger than I am, 
but he just that they're getting married at the barn in Thai. So gotcha. So okay, so a lot of it, but most of it's local. It's not like you're traveling to Syracuse or traveling down like to Albany to go do weddings. Right. I would say more than half my weddings are at the Rainbow Room with Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the barn he built is is absolutely ridiculous and uh, unbelievable. I I think I haven't been in there, the barn. Um, I went to the ice cream place last hour. Is it Owl Barn Creamery? He's going to kill Barn me Owl Creamery? Yeah, Barn Owl. There you go. Yes, barn Owl? Yes, okay. yes. It's very good. But right. he, uh, um, so I went to that. I haven't been to the main one, but I think Friday we have a wedding. We have two weddings. This Bo- Friday? Both two weddings start right. at the same time. The facet wedding? That's one of them. I'm doing that one. Okay, so yep. I'll see you at some point <laughs> right and then um, bring these microphones they work pretty good you like them yeah sure sure mics I'll, I'll talk to you about equipment in a sec so that one that one's at the barn right uh yes yep. okay so yep. i've never been and then the next one's over at harmony that we're doing that one too you're talking about uh uh i just gotta get so you have both of them yeah we're doing both of those yeah so i will be i might be at both of those i gotta figure out the schofield yeah yeah i gotta figure out yeah i gotta figure out um yeah i mean it's great i like Great, both great couples. I'm just trying to wrap my head around how we're right. supposed to do it with, with our kids, and so we're gonna try to make it to both. Right. Because I went to I went to, so the uh, the one in Altona. I went to school, the the bride of that one. I've known since I was five, so I went to school and uh, like, and then the one at Harmony. I also went to school. They're actually both Chasey Seaton weddings, which my, okay. of course my wife loves because she was she was a Seaton girl. So. Um, but then, yeah, so we just know, but it would be a lot of fun. But yeah, so I'll hit up both of those. So, right. uh, but I haven't been to the barn yet, but I've wanted to because I've heard like obviously great stuff. And I know Brandon and his family just like, you know, just how good they were like with everything. Like, you know, they, um, having, having seen so many things at the wedding venue, I think he's on my list of people to get on here. I know we keep working down through a list of people and he's, he's on it somewhere. So we'll, we'll try to get right. him on and kind of pick his brain on, on the wedding venues and running stuff. But, um, so is that you find that you're up there mostly just because you grew up there, you get kind of a really tight sphere. Um, yeah, Brandon and I, um, we've been friends for, for many years now. Um, he went to Northeastern, I went to Northeastern plus, you know, the sample family. I was always close with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he started me in this business. So I, I show a lot of appreciation towards him for that. So, you know, when I love every venue, I've never, I don't say bad things about anybody. It's just not in my, um, uh, my mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but when people do call, you know, I'll recommend going from here. And if he's booked, you know, we got a new barn going up in Schuyler Falls with Steph and her father, yeah. yep. um, Rustic Pines, I think. Rustic Pines. Yep. Yeah. That, that's Which, cool looking too. Yeah. It looks, it's beautiful. Um, I know there's another barn. I don't know the owners of that one, but there's one in Ellingburg now and, and things like that, which is making me happy. You know, I love the barn style. I think it's, it's really cool, but I get along with the Harmony staff is, you know, I love them there. Mm-hmm. Um, on our on deck room, I mean, I can go on and all the, all the venues. I don't really have a bad thing to say about any of them. Do you prefer a small, intimate venue or a big venue? So, like when we just did the one at Vesco's a couple weeks ago, uh, we loved it. You know, it was just small. We ran the deck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was just it was just your. Uh, we absolutely loved it. Um, but we do like the weddings with five hundred people. Uh, that's pretty cool too. Um, but is that your biggest wedding? Five hundred. 517 was my biggest wedding. That is wedding. insane. Right. Where was that at? That was at Pex. That's so, that's crazy. Because yeah. you think that most weddings, I think I think they say what, like over 200 is considered like a pretty big wedding? Right, yes. And have 500 people? Right. It was, 
the biggest wedding I've ever been to was uh, Justin Sample's wedding. He had over, I, I don't want to know this, but I want to say close to 600. And it was... Just family? I mean, I'm not saying just family, but I'm saying big families. Big families, a ton of friends uh, and things like that. Were you DJing or were you attending? No, I, I wasn't. I was attending. So have you uh, ever attended a wedding that you were supposed to DJ at? Uh, nope. No. Meaning like, I mean like you and Renee go to a wedding, but they also book you and the other guys do the, the DJing while you're just at the wedding. Um, no, because I'm the type of person like if I'm there, I'm, I'm going to want to make sure it's perfect and work, which is crazy because the guys... You know, like I, I am a little stressed. I was a little stressed about Friday because uh, Ryan was supposed to be home to DJ the wedding for Kate. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, something came up, um, and it was a really good reason. So I was nervous at first, but then Jason, you know, calmed me down and said, "Hey, don't worry about it." Because my brother is very. We're gonna meet there Thursday night. We're gonna go everything. Uh, so I won't stress as much. Meet where for the rehearsal? At Harmony on Thursday, just to to go everything the time the timeline and everything and things like that and. Are you meeting with the bride and groom at that point? Um, I don't know. If, I don't think they'll be there. Um, I don't. I've already met or I've talked to them. I don't really need to talk to them. Yeah. I just want to sh- make sure that my brother is up to date with the you know the system and all that stuff, and make sure um, he just he, if some. So, what I worry about is I'm not worried about those guys playing music and things like that. I'm more concerned if something were to go wrong mm-hmm. with like the system or something. You know, I like troubleshoot. Right. Exactly. Um, so when do you set up and tear down? Like, do you set up day of, or do you go the day before and set up? Like, today, I, I plan on going after this to go to uh, the Rainbow Room to set up for the set wedding today. Wow, okay. Yeah, and then, because I got to work all week. And gotcha. then uh And then I'll set up after. And there's no weddings there until Friday. Right. There's no events, gotcha. Correct. So then Thursday, I'll leave work with my trailer, and I'll go right to Harmony and set up there. So, yeah. And then tear down right after. Yes, yeah, because we have another wedding on Saturday, so... So normally, could you leave a wedding venue? Like, could you could you leave at um, PAX and just leave the stuff there? I wish. You know, I do leave. Like a, next morning, go grab it or something? Right. I could, yeah. Brandon and I are, are close where I could do that. I have I have equipment there all the time because that's where most of my weddings are. Plus, mm-hmm. he uses some of mine. I use some of his. Um, it, would be, it would be really nice if I could just leave my stuff there. I would do this for the next 70 years if I could. Well, I won't live that long, but um, <laughs> I would... You know what I mean? If I could just leave my system there and just... Like leave. you're just that wedding venue. Right. Yeah. Right. We tried that um, once before, but Randy and Flash and Skippy and all those guys, they're, they're such good DJs that, you know, people want them too. You know, you, I was going to say, you can't tell someone no because you're the exactly. house DJ or whatever. Exactly. Yes. And it would, it definitely wouldn't look good on, you know, say if, if Brandon was the one that wanted to do that, it wouldn't look good on his part or my part. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No, you got to book Mike, unfortunately, you know, yeah. um, so Randy does a lot more weddings than I do because he's got a really good team and things like that. And what venue? See what what company? S- Sound Obsessions. Okay, so, yeah, yep, yeah. They, those guys and and his brother uh, Flash. You know those guys were one another reason why I got into this business. You know I was having an issue with the speakers weren't working, the wireless speakers weren't working at the barn, and Randy showed up there one day and it took him thirty seconds to figure out what was going on. It would take me. You know, three months. You know, so the, so like you said, you're I guess we'll call them competitors, but they're they're, they're willing to come and help you out. Make oh, sure. absolutely. Because it seems like at the end of the day, these these you know in your field, you and these other uh, you know I guess uh, your peers within the the industry, like at the end of the day, you just want people to have fun, and they're kind of like, listen, like if this is gonna stop it, I'll come help out because all these people are having right. a good time and. And probably, you know, probably take care of one of their own kind of, you know, like he doesn't want to see you all of a sudden have a bad speaker and everybody's pissed off at you. So he comes and helps you out and then the show goes on, you know? Uh, So 
I mean, is there any line, like you said, you're going to tone it back a little bit in the amount of shows, but are you talking anything like expanding what you guys offer or expanding, I guess, locations or expanding the amount you can do? Because maybe you go back to two weddings a month or do you increase the amount of people and then run three or four weddings a month, but you physically only have to go to two of them? Well, my ultimate goal out of all this is I always want to run the company somewhat, mm-hmm. but um, Ryan... Um, Kerner, if he decides to come back home with chiropractor and he says, Mike, I'd like to continue to do this. Um, my offer to him, he doesn't know this yet. Well, he, he probably has an idea, but I'm gonna say, Ryan, this is, this is yours. I want to give this to you mm-hmm. and you and Jason, you know, um, if Jason wants to be involved cause he's got the comic uh, group. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's, that would be my, that's the problem is just finding help, yeah. you know? Um, and there's not, there's so many, there's not there's so many Jason Borey's and Ryan Kerner's in the world and you know, me and not everybody can get on a microphone, you know, not, not, I don't know a lot of people that can do what you're doing right now. You know, it's just, it, it's not. Um, but after I heard Dylan last week, I offered, I said, Dylan, you should come work for me, you know, cause he sounded good on the oh, mic. Oh, Dylan's great. Wicked. You oh know? yeah. Um, yeah, I would love just to sit home and say, Hey, you know, and obviously, you know, them, you know, I, I take care of my people that work for me. Mm-hmm. I have always have. Um, that's one thing about us. I can't, I've never lost anybody because they, you know, felt like they weren't being treated right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would like to do that. Yes. I'd like to just sit home, go to a soccer tournament while the weddings are going on. Yeah. yeah a little I, bit I, of leverage. I would love that. But unfortunately people have lives and things like that. And, uh, so, um, you said you don't like, are you, do you not like being on the mic? You just don't think you're good at being the mic. Is it just something you'd rather put your focus more into the music than the mic? No, I, I've, uh, I'm, I consider myself pretty good on the mic. Mm-hmm. The difference between me and Jason is I'm more like a stadium um, announcer. Like my father, you know, voice of Cardinal Hockey for mm-hmm. I don't know how many years, many years, and um, I was just like him. Uh, but I get I'm not as smart as he was. So when it comes to like reading names and things like that, I wasn't as um, suffice as as he was. You know, uh, so I'll sometimes spending an entire uh, week at work. Uh, reading the names just so I can get them looking at phonetically right. how to like, say it right like Gillespie when I did his wedding it took you can ask Ryan it took me a good year to get his name right like Gillespie? I would I'd be at other weddings and I'd be like Gillespie Gillespie and he'd and he'd just start laughing I'm like is it right and he's like yes it's right you know and I used to say like Gillespie or something like that and it was just yeah uh, so and and the thing is is like when Jason tells a joke at a wedding and nobody laughs he comes up with another joke to make him laugh I couldn't do that you know um so I, it's not that I don't like talking on the mic. It just relieves a lot of uh, stress for me. Um, I do have pretty good uh, anxiety and things like that. So, you know, when he's doing it, it, it makes the day go by smoother. I have a, We have a lot more fun and things like that. But for like Friday, you'll be at the wedding on Friday. Yeah. I got to be on the mic. No problems with that at all, you know. Um, so it was um, – I find that – like you said, you get anxiety when behind the mic. Yep. Yeah, I, I I find I get that. Too. This is this is not hard at all. Like, cause it's just you and I talking. Right, so I always right. like, you know, people hear this absolutely. But like at the end of the day, when I'm just sitting here talking to people, I I don't even think. I remember when I first did this, the first. So this is a, what 147. So episode one, I remember like thinking like people are gonna hear this, and it lasted for about ten minutes, if that. Not even that. Maybe five minutes. It was Matt Craig was the first one, and then the second one. Well, actually, Meg was just here at by this. By the time she like she was number two, it was easy because it just at that point I got like 
in Matt's first one, I just got to the point where I'm like, I'm just talking to someone I know. And it's, it's, it's easy. Like, but when you get behind a mic and people are hearing you and you're on the mic and talking and hear it amplified all the way around, you're like, man, this is like live right now. Cause this, I mean, I can edit this. I very rarely do. So it's, um, but I remember a couple years ago, um, it was a bridal show. So Steph, Damaris and Anna Hewitt were putting on or helping run this uh, bridal show for um, Taylor Rental Party Plus. And they had, it was weird because they had different people that were supposed to go read stuff up on the stage. So they had DJs pretty much going and announcing, you know, whatever it was. Like, these are the sponsors, these are the vendors, these are whatever. And they're like, hey, will you do it? And I'm like, Sure. Now my experience was about three months of podcasting. Right. So I had like absolutely no experience on it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll just, I'll, I'll more so like, not that I felt confident doing it, but more of it's just like, they asked me. So I was just like, yeah, sure. Of course I'll do it. And I was like, shit, now I got to like right. figure out what to do. And then by the end of the night, something happened. We're like one D I don't know if I say a DJ, but somebody didn't want to do it. Somebody ended up like leaving early. And then another person, whatever it was, I ended up just like announcing the entire ending of this bridal show. So I'm sitting there talking, giving out the prizes, like up on the stage, like no booze. Like I was like, man, I gotta be like drinking up. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're talking in front of all these people. I don't know any of these people. I mean, I know some people in the crowd, but not a lot. And I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm completely winging it. Cause literally I just like showed up for our, like our business at this bridal show. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm up on the stage, like, basically emceeing the last half of it. And, was, right. and there's some photos there are pretty funny. Cause I can see, I can see Steph and Anna, like, like looking at me kind of like wondering <laughs> like, is like, he's good. Right. He's going to like, and I'm sitting there like talking and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but we, we totally uh, winged it at the end, but it worked out good. But like the anxiety, like standing up there with a the mic in right. front of a lot of people, like I want to get up and sing like your father sang in front of a bunch of people. Right. Um, did you ever get, can you sing? No, no, okay. no. No, uh, my wife says I can, but no, I cannot sing. Not anywhere. I got, I got, it's kind of like your, your kids. They're going to have big uh, shoes to fill with when it comes to soccer. It's kind of like with More, me. Definitely my wife. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going to have big shoes to fill with singing. You know, it's just not, that. that's just not going to happen. So did your dad just sing for Plastic State? Didn't he sing, um, he sang national anthems all around, right? Well, so he used to sing the national anthem and he did the Canadian national anthem, uh, um, at the Cardinal hockey games. Yeah. I don't know exactly how many years it was, but it was a lot. Um, and the, but he also sang at weddings, funerals, things like that. The last time he sang was actually at my wedding. So it'd been 14 years ago. Really? Yeah. Um, did, what did he talk about that? Like it, just second nature to him. Right. Um, especially the Cardinal games. I just remember him as a kid, like singing up right. there and it's just like this big, powerful voice. And- right. Yeah. He's just growing up on a farm, you know, riding a tractor and things like that. Working on, you're always just, you're doing something, you know, and singing was definitely his, his thing, um, kind of. That and softball, so uh, yeah, so, so, pitch, so pitch. yeah, yeah. So he, he he just sang around the farm too. Yeah, just just you, doing chores and just. Yep. Sometimes you hear him coming up on the tractor, and he'd be just singing the same along. voice, that big voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, because yeah. I mean, he he was one of those when people talk about like like uh yeah was it rocking the rafters or whatever like yep. he could you could feel like the vibration when he was singing at at Cardinal games, especially back in the old days when they had the old bleachers. Yeah. And, um, and everybody's like packed to the gills in that place. Like that, right. I, I just remember some really, uh, when I had Steve Moffat on here, I was talking to him about that. Like just the amount of people that they used to pack in those games. It was insane. And it of course was. I just remember him just, you know, sitting in that upper deck, just like, um, especially when he did the Canadian, which was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, Steve contacted us and asked if we, if he'd be interested in coming out of retirement and doing it. 
the agreement was that I was going to do some games also. and To sing? No, to announce. Oh, okay. um, You know, do the... But I had no intentions of doing any games because I don't know if you've read some of those names that, you know, he's got to read. There's no way in hell I would have been able to... Yeah, because he did all the announcing of all the starting lineups. Right, and, you know, these teams from, you know, Saskatchewan and um, Germany and things. It's, I just... I couldn't do it. And I purposely did that, though. And he, I don't know if he knows this, but I did that because I wanted him to get out and get back out there and doing the announcement announcing did he do again. It? He did. Yeah. Oh, couple, I didn't know that. Yep. Um, it was before COVID. It was the, before the year before COVID. So that was, he actually came back. And, and he did was the, singing too? No, no, he won't sing probably. Singing is, you know, not a thing anymore. If he sings, he just sings at home and things like that. He doesn't, um, it, it's, it's a nerve thing. You know, it's just. He hasn't done it in so long. You know, he he's singing national anthem I don't know how many times and he always had the words in front of him. You know, from the time he the first day he did it to the last day he did wow, it. Oh, okay. You know, cuz it's just it's just a thing and um but he did he I just remember hearing from fans they were so happy that he was back. Yeah. doing the Cardinal games because you know it made the atmosphere that much better and he he did. That's kind of the voice I have when it comes to weddings and things like that. Um who's the uh who's the old announcer for the Yankees? Oh, I'm, he would definitely know the answer to that. You know He's, what I'm talking about, though. I guess I do. Talk about the one that you know, Derek no. number Derek, that guy Derek Jeter. Yeah, yeah when he'd get up and be like number two, and then yeah. he'd be like Derek Jeter yeah. number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was always like, why does he say it twice? But it's so iconic that I right. remember. Uh, I remember Derek Jeter's last game. He was the only player they kept that original announcement for. So everybody had the right. new guy, and they just play the tape for him. It was like such an iconic thing that you're just like, I, God, what the hell's the guy's name? If you said it, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. But. Right. Um, just the people that are really good behind the mic. Like again, take the Yankees games. Like I love, uh, uh, of course I'm gonna, not Susan Waldron, but what's, um, um, I hate the Yankees. So you're, Oh really? Yeah, I, I'm a Red Sox fan. No, but, uh, is it Sterling? What's who's he now? God darn it. So whatever name, name escaped me, but, um, I mean, just watching these guys announce baseball and it's right. like just effortless and they talk for three hours about right. baseball. And I'm like, how many stats can you come up with? And how many backstories on the third string, you know, second baseman can you talk about? Right. Like, well, he was on the farm system down in like right. Albany, Georgia. It's like, what, how do you know this? Right. Um, it, but I, I just find that anybody that can sit there and you, you hear like guys do, uh, like Scott Van Pelt and you hear all these sports guys and even like, you know, the political commentators that will talk for three hours. And I'm like, how do you talk by yourself? And I mean, obviously you have a team of people getting you stats and, but just to talk and be creative and be able to think on your feet. And then of course you get like people calling in and then you're trying to, you know, do you have a crazy person calling in? That's just going to start just like wild, like right. off the cuff talk. And, you're, um, but no, it's good. Now in regards to equipment, um, like you talked about these mics. Like, what kind of mics do you use? Sure. Yep. Same thing. Same yep. brand. Yep. Um, I, I like these. We so based on everything here, but the most like costly is this little machine, which is the recorder, and then the mics. Right. Because like I'm gonna get a good recorder, good mics. Everything else is pretty basic. I'm trying to like this arm is better than these arms, but I gotta get a, I gotta get a better table before I right. invest in all the way. But um, good mics make a huge difference, especially huge. like these little like um. When we wind when, protectors, what we call them, wind protectors. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the thing on the big mics? What they call it, dead cat. Yeah, which is like that, like fuzzy thing that you yep. put on. Um, I've I've never really used those outside. I don't tape a lot of stuff outside, but I guess I'm assuming they work fine. Right, just kind of like soften the wind. They do. We don't use a lot of them because uh, 
most of the weddings we do, they book the videography. And to me, that just kind of, it doesn't look, you know, uh, they sound amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's why we don't use like mic stands or things like that. Uh, just cause we don't want them in the pictures and things like that. Um, so do you use, do you use these right here? Sometimes. Yeah. If we don't, we'll ask the bride and groom if they're okay with it just for the photos and things like that. Cause it kind of makes the mic look bulky and things. Oh, so you'd rather take that off. For yeah. Them. But it does, if it's a windy day, it does help. Yeah. You know? I was gonna say I've always left them on because it's supposed to stop like if you, you like spit or make those like little right. sounds. It kind of just softens it. Right, so muffle. Like this, yep. Yeah. So and it makes a difference too. I think when you have just good equipment and you can actually hear the sound quality come out. Right. It's like we're in headphones and you hear the sound quality versus taking them off and then you're like, wow, this is really weird. I mean, it's talking normal, but when you put these on, it's like you're almost like you're locked in. You can feel it, and then when you replay it, like, oh, that's exactly what it sounded like. Right. So you're kind of getting a sneak preview of what whatever's going to happen, you know, or whatever yep. people are actually going to listen to. So. um so do you have any intention of, like you said, with the farm, I mean, keeping the farm the same size, growing the farm, just kind of still like, <clears throat> could I call it like a hobby farm still? Or is it kind um, of beyond a hobby farm? I would, yeah, and I heard Dylan say that the other day too when he said his was a hobby farm, but the to me, a hobby farm is like one or two animals. Um, Where it truly is just like a little hobby. Right. You kind you of know, taste it a little bit right. in it. And I don't, and his numbers are up there, I, I feel, and mine are up there. Um Richard's Ranch and Ross's Point, he does the same type of uh, business as we do. All our numbers are, to me, are up there. You know, I anything above 30 is, is a good amount in the beef business um, around here. Let me rephrase that, you know, because, um, no, I definitely want to get bigger. That's my that's my goal right now is because of the DJing. I just, I don't want to be gone every weekend anymore. It's, it's, not, it's not, it's fun, but it's it's not at the same time lugging equipment around doing things like that. I'd rather be home, you know, and, and there's a lot more problems on a farm than there is DJing. Let's, let's get that. You know, we have a lot more sad days in a farm than we do, um, on DJing. A lot of things you can't control. Exactly. You know, um, you know, twins isn't a thing in the beef business, but we know we had twins this year and one of them, my brother took because, uh, the calf just didn't, it, it couldn't walk very, you know, we don't like to keep our uh, animals in a barn very long. We like, we like them to roam in the pastures and things like that. So they end up taking one of the twins just because she didn't come out, um, as, as well as the other one. I got a question for you. When it is going to rain, do cows go on the ground to keep the grass dry? Uh, you know, that's the second uh, crazy questions I've, I've been asked with, uh, <laughs> would be a, another one I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. I don't know. Um, I've never heard of that. Cows will sit down if the storm's coming and yeah. things like that, but I don't think it's be to, to keep the grass dry. Because I wasn't sure, so I, I dr we were driving out. Um, well, Anna, the girl I was telling you about, we drove out. We were visiting a friend out in uh, St. Lawrence County, and we were going past cows. She's like, oh, the cows are on the ground. I'm like, yeah, it's going to rain. She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, cows go on the ground when it's going to rain. I don't know. It's just something I was told as a kid, and every time it looks like it's going to rain, cows are laying on the ground. And she goes, well, why would they do that? And I, th my only thought was it keeps the grass dry. So when it does rain, they're not sitting on wet grass, which would be the most simplistic answer in the world. Right. But there's probably a better reason why they do it. I Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's just like a, the idea of, uh, it was like back in the day when like, would they talk about like bombs coming down, get under your desk, like it was going to make a difference, but it right. just felt like you were secure. Right. Like, I don't know if it's just if they're lower to the ground, they feel like they're not going to be hit. Maybe if they're in a field too, high point, the cows at a high point. Well, get like, down as low as you can. I don't know. Right, I've where we live. Uh, we basically besides the pasture behind the barn, but we live on a lot of flat. You know where the cows pasture graze right now. It's flat, so I don't know. I I've never heard of that. Um, 
but that's a question like my father. Um, they would know. They might know the answer to that. Um, so what was the other question? What was the other crazy question? And I asked Dylan at the fair the other night. We went and watched the tractor pulls. And um, my buddy Adam asked the question about beef. And just and you know just because we're beef, we don't know everything about beef. You know, it's yeah. just not. You know, um, it's I just don't. You know, uh, <laughs> this guy Adam goes, hey, we had a calf, and uh, the, they bought a calf from another farmer. The farmer called and said, hey, does that calf have a a black tongue? And Adam's like, I don't know. We'll go check because if it does, that means he's Angus, and I want him back. So Adam asked me, he's like, that a thing. And I said, I had no idea what you're talking about. So I asked Dylan, who to me is, like I said, very well educated in this stuff. I didn't ask my father because I think he would have the same answer I did because I've never heard of it before. Yeah. Dylan's like, what are you talking about? I've never, that's the first thing, he's never heard of it either. So I told Adam, I'm like, I think the guy is pulling your chain. So I guess the calf did have a black tongue and he took the calf back because he. Oh, he really did. Yeah, because he, he didn't know it was Angus because Angus is better meat, you know, than, yeah. than your uh, basic dairy cow. So I'm like, all right, well, so that was the first I've heard of that. It's almost like thinking chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Right. I have we have purebred uh, red Angus now, and I I'm like Renee, check their tongues. Are they red? You know. It, what, so. Now, what, what's red Angus? So basically, they're just they're red. You know, um, the you, cow's fur is reddish. Yep. Okay. Yep. So that's what you would call it. black Angus. Red Angus yep. is actually the color of the cow. So when you get like a, a black Angus, it would be the black. Was it fur? Skin? Fur? What's a cow got? Um, yeah. Skin? Yeah. Basically, yeah. Okay. Because they're not, they're soft, but it's kind of like a, it's, it's, it's like but a they harder. Get, they do get a good coat in the winter though. Uh, they do shed. Cows, okay. They do shed. Uh, you don't have to shear them at all, do you? Um, we used to when we were dairy, but we don't, you mean, I mean like. Like was, you would like a sheep or something, you right. trim it off. Like you basically no, give it a buzz. It just, it just falls, just falls off and things. If you go around our pasture after the winter, you'll see like clumps of hair in the trees because they're rubbing onto the trees to get the the fur off and things like that. Um, now how big are the, how big can the cows range weight wise? Um, I mean, our, our biggest animal is probably our bull right now or Addison. Um, I, the bull has got away over 2000 pounds. He's a big, 2000? yeah, 1800. He's a big boy. He's a little too big. Gee, how tall is he? Uh, I like if he stands like, is he above your, your head? Oh no, no. He's not above me. But, okay. Probably about your your height, but he's just. Let you know, cows' heads usually go down, not right. up. Yeah, right. And Addison's probably. I was thinking horse, yeah. Okay. Between sixteen to seventeen hundred pounds. Um, do you name all your animals? We name a lot of them, which is not a good thing to do in was, our line of work. Um, yeah. But my mom always she was the best when it came to this stuff because we do get emotional when uh, animals leave. It's yeah. just a, it's a weird thing for us. But uh, you know, she's like, you know, Mike, they could have had you know five amazing years. It's okay to have one bad day. Yeah. Uh, that's why we, you know, some of my coworkers will go, what's the difference between your meat and the meat, you know, the, the Angus I buy at the supermarket. Well, where, where'd that Angus come from? You know, they can't answer that question. Um, to us, we can tell you exactly where Angus came from, um, what kind of life they lived and things like that. Well, I think a lot, it's like hunting too. Like we talk about people like, like I don't hunt, but I know people that do hunt. Like when they, they go out and like they say they shoot a deer or whatever like that. Number one, they do it as humanely as they can, and they want to make sure they hit it in the right spot so it's like an instant death and not suffering. And then they sit there and they use every part of the deer so you're not like wasting anything too. Right. So it kind of gets to the point where like I look at it, I've always looked at hunting or raising cattle like it's like you kind of look at it, was it like a natural selection or survival of the fittest or whatever. Like are humans the best 
capable of going surviving in the wilderness? Probably not compared to animals. But at the end of the day, we were gifted with different different qualities like brain function, you know, uh, you know, joints and fingers and and you know things that we can do you know, that other animals can't. Right. You know, talk, communicate, do all these things. So at a certain point, we have I would deem in certain situations are at the top of the food chain. I mean, yeah, if I'm in the water with a shark, I'm probably out of luck. But like for the most part. I look at that and then you kind of look at like everything that happens with an animal. It's like, it's just, it's going to, at some point, an animal is going to pass away. Right. So it's like, whether it does it that way or it does the way you did, it's probably going to have a better life with you than it would be out running around starving for food. Right. So, I mean, right. it's, it's a, uh, you get these big, uh, you know, big corporations out West and things like that, where there's thousands and thousands of, you know, beef or any animals that are just in an area that's the size of our farm, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they don't get a chance to move, you know, and things like that. And they're, they're in their own uh, you know, crap all day and yeah. stuff like that. And um, I just, I guess that's one, one reason why we, we love the farm so much is because we, we make sure we give a, a good quality. How long does a, how long does a cow live? So you mean like until it was t- like too old? Like say Basically. you weren't to bring it to the slaughter. Like how, how, right. how long would that live maybe beyond that? Well, dairy cows can live I mean, I remember as decades, a, I mean, 15, 16 years old, you know, so, okay. um, but beef, you know, they start to get old around uh, eight to 10 years old. Um, dairy cows, you know, they, they really don't go in the pasture much, you know, they do a little bit, mm-hmm. but they, you know, they're inside and things like, so they have their feet don't get all worked up and stuff like that. And so if you have eight, say eight to 10 years on average, how long would you raise a cow for? So the mother cows, we, we will raise them until we see that it's just no, one, they're not producing uh, calves anymore, mm-hmm. um, or they're just starting to get to the age where, like, we have one right now that we'll pretty get pretty emotional with. Oh, sorry, um, one thirty-four. That's her name because that's her tag number. We call her Mohawk because she's actually got a Mohawk. But you know, we'll get emotional when she's gone because she's she's a little over ten years old, but she's starting to get. You know, we notice. You know, she's having a hard time getting around things like that. She, so it's kind of like a dog, like right? Yeah. yeah. Um, especially for some of these, because like I said, they're older than your daughters or right. the same age. Right. Um, now, I mean, do your daughters obviously? I'm sure love the animals too. Yes, they do. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, as a, like as a kid, I remember having dogs. Like we have a dog now. I'm not as emotionally attached to the dog as my wife is because she right. had him for like since he was basically a newborn. Little but, pug, right? Uh, or, little Boston. Yeah, yeah, Boston, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob. And uh, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's good. I think he's like ten now, right. which is crazy because I remember when I first she I first met her, he was like three, maybe. Right. So. He's kind of grown up, like the kids love him and stuff, but it's it's one where I've never gotten super attached to animals. One of my, the people that know me like know I don't like dogs and cats that much just because I'm allergic to them. I hate cats. and But it's the whole idea is like I don't think I have that attachment to it because I've never been able really to like embrace a dog or a cat the way like a normal person right. would. So I always have kind of a reservation where I, I see like, like say sickness, but I see like scratchy eyes and running like th- scratchy throw and you know ears and, and just runny nose and all that stuff when i look at a dog or a cat so i think it kind of the people that do love animals though like some people have like really tight attachments with animals more so than people like i don't right. I, were you like that growing up like, oh my god yeah so yeah. animals to you were like like soft spot like animals like you'd be devastated if that animal died for some reason. Right. I say it all the time that I love my dogs more. I love my wife. So, but I, and I tell her that all the time. So she knows that, <laughs> no, but it's a joke, but I'm, you know, it's almost not a joke. Cause yeah, I, I do. I love animals more than the next person. You know, that's why, how can you do the beef farming business? I'm like, because I feel like that 
they're having a better life with us than they would other places. Um, yeah. So it's almost like you're, you're, uh, on like honoring that animal more so than like, cause you said, listen, I'm going to, you'd be way better off here than somewhere else. Right. And at the end of the day, I mean, all animals are going to pass away. So right. it's like, whether you do it and probably doing it quicker than they're going to have any other way, they will be right. sick. They won't have, they, they must have cancer and things like that. Oh yeah. 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 So I don't know. I mean, I, I look at, uh, I mean, I never get emotionally attached. I never look at food and be like, where'd it come from? Like, even if like, I don't know if I, I've never been to like a slaughterhouse or anything, but at the end of the day, like I've been to butcher shops and you see the, the animals hanging and stuff and it doesn't freak me out. It's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It, it's what feeds us. And it's like I said, you gotta, you have the food chain. Like we have to be fed by something, you know, and I'm, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan or anything like that. Like I like meat. I like different, right. I like the variety of stuff. Like I love a ribeye, like talking about ribeye makes me want to cook a ribeye tonight. Like, right. So I don't know. That's, I think it's all good. I, I, uh, yeah, the, a- animals are cool. And like I said, talking to Dylan and talking to you, it's like, you see a lot of parallels, but you look at what I think a lot of people take for granted because it is, a, it's a dying industry because I mean, agriculture was where everything started. I mean, before, for thousands of years or even longer. And now you're starting to find where it's just because things are mass produced, things are done by a lot of Jeanette or not, um, you know, things are created now, not raised. Like I said, you can go to a store and you know, all the chemicals and stuff are in it. Like, you know, they have fake meat, like, or whatever, faux meat, whatever you want to call it, where they're, you know, I, I kind of look at that and it's like, it's just not the, I don't know. I just, anything that's fake meat or just like a replacement meat. Like what is it? Um, what's the burger called? Tur- well, that's not fake, I guess, but what, what's the, not turkey burger, but what's the, uh, what's there, there's a certain burger they have out now. You're seeing soy. Not soy. No, no. It's actually got like a name. Um, I want to say replacement burger, but it's. What's the chicken stuff that we feed at work all the time? Um, but it's like a sponge. You know, it's like a. I'm trying. If you looked up the burger, they have it. They have it at places like fast food restaurants will serve it. And it's like. It's not impossible burger. It's some weird name. It's some name of like, why, why would you eat this? And then you like look at stuff. And I always find it weird. The people that don't want to eat meat and don't want to eat like, or don't want to eat, uh, something that's processed will eat fake meat. I'm like, where do you think that came from? Like, right. that's, that's not natural. Right. Like, right. just because it's not like, oh, I don't want to kill an animal. And I don't care if you're vegan, like do whatever you want. But like, to me, it just, the argument always seems strange because you would do that, but then you turn around and eat like, you know, chips and, and, you know, just stuff out of a box that was, you know, completely generated in a factory. Right. Right. I don't know. It's- yeah. For being like, I'm obviously a, I'm a, a bigger individual and things like that. But, um, when people try to, you know, basically let's go back to the grass fed part of it, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, grass fed to me doesn't taste good. And my response to them was cause you don't know how to cook it, you know, and things like that. But then I try to explain the difference between, you know, I do know a little bit about the grass fed and grain fed, you know, the difference in that omega threes and all that stuff and um grass-fed is better for you helps your cholesterol level Mm -hmm. and things like that um but when people would ask me you know why does grass-fed taste like that and like i said before it's just because you don't know how to cook it you know grass-fed you have to cook low and slow um you don't want to just throw it on a high heat because it is good it does taste different if you don't if you don't know if you never had it before you're going to taste the first time be like this this definitely tastes different to me grass-fed beef and um like chickens like chicken eggs like matt craig again has sells chicken eggs like his eggs versus going to the store and buying eggs completely different right and like sometimes you get the double yolks it's really really vibrant yellow um even even like the yolk is just uh 
it's a less cl- cloudy. Is that a good? Word? I guess a less cloudy right. uh, uh, white of the egg. And then the yolk is it literally looks like the sun. It's just this bright, bright, bright yellow, but in a in a good way. Like it just seems. It looks like a natural yellow, not like some somebody was shot it with or uh, shot it with some kind of dye that made it look really, really like, you know, like egglands or something. Like so, I always find that eggs and grass fed beef to me are the two things that you can tell the difference right off. Right. Um, I think you can have a pork too. Like I said, when we've gotten um, pigs, um, especially bacon, the bacon tastes really good, especially when they. You know, at least the one I got from Shane was a thicker cut bacon, which I I like just because I like I like having I like when bacon cooks and you get that kind of like a mixture of the crisp, but you also get a little bit of that uh, you know, kind of that tender part of the meat right. too, yes. where it's not just completely crispy and fried and breaks apart. Um, so, Mike, what you said in college, you you were what was it track and field? Yes, sir. So yep. What did you do? Um, did you go to Plattsburgh? I I went to Plattsburgh State. Yep. I was uh, I threw shot put, uh, discus, and hammer in college. I threw shot put. And discus in um, high school, obviously. Um, Brett Wilmot was my coach and my throws coach. I have no idea how to say his name. All I can say is he's actually at the Olympics right now. He's like a commentator for them. So Really? Yeah. For the um, track and field? Yep. Yeah. So that's, that was pretty cool seeing him on TV. He was a coach at Plattsburgh? Yeah. He's, at, he's, he's from Montreal. Uh, Niels, I want to say, was his name. Brett's going to kill me for not remembering his name, but... Um, I'm actually friends with him on Facebook too. I just don't remember how to say his, his name. Cause Brett's still involved with like us, like athlete training, right? Yes, he is. Yep. Cause, yep. Uh, I've met him once. My, my wife knows him, but he was, I think he's involved with Lake Placid, something yep. down there. He's coached athletes all over the world. I mean, he's in he, track and field, uh, other he's, uh, in other, uh, sports too. He's very well educated when it comes to weightlifting and things like that. So he's always worked in training, physical mm-hmm. training. Um, but yeah, he was my track coach. I did, like I said, a shot put and a discus in high school. And then when I got to college, I did the shot put, discus, weight throw, and hammer. I wasn't very good at uh, uh, the weight throw. So What's the it, weight throw? It's basically the same thing as a hammer, but it's shorter, and it's 35 pounds. That's not the ball you throw. That's Like shot put, I know you keep kind of up by your chin. Yep. And you kind of just like, almost like heave it off your shoulder. Right. But what is is the... Uh, Weight throw, you said, is that the one they spin on the chain and toss? That's well, hammer, but it's the same thing. So hammer's long, you know. It's it's it's. Um, I don't remember how long it is. It's a ball on a chain, right? That's yes. Or the weight throw is indoor though, and it's shorter, and it's a rubber ball, you know, because you got to throw it indoors. But it's only like this. It's probably only like this long. Um, it's got a and that weighs thirty five pounds, but the hammer only weighs sixteen pounds. And the hammer is the one on the chain. Yes, but yeah. it's not an actual hammer. It's a ball on a chain. It's a, basically a shot put on a chain. Okay, and right. then what was the last thing you said? Discus. Discus. Yeah. And that's that's literally looks like a frisbee. Right. Kind of yep. like they go and just like chuck it. Right. Yes. Um. How heavy is that? That's in high school is one point six and in college is, I want to say two point oh pounds um, or kilograms. Kilograms. Okay. Yep. So about five pounds then. Yeah. Roughly. Yep. Um. What was your best event? Shot put by far. So. Was that your favorite one? Uh. Yes. Favorite probably because you were good at it. Yep. Um. Yep. How. When you start like when you start saying how much that weighs and then how much it like takes to throw it because I've said you take like what you said a uh, uh, thirty five pounds is the weight throw yeah like that's a kettlebell like there's right. like the lighter of the kettlebells right. like you can take that and like to to take that and like throw it that's impressive yes how far yeah. could you throw that my best for that was uh, sixty eight feet so <laughs> that's um, insane but that like that's that's good but it's it's not as far as um you know there's they just did the hammer toss um, not too long ago, um, and there's guys throwing that 270 feet, you know, and that's 
the guys the Olympic they're going plus eighty feet, you know. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I didn't even. Um, I wasn't good in college in weight throw. Brockport had a bunch of throwers that were just better, um, and I was just learning how to to do it. So, were you um, in college? Were you much uh, like smaller than you are now? Yes. Yeah, I was probably about you know two eighty in, in college. Um, it just seems like. You know when you see like those sports that you watch in the Olympics? Like right now is when you watch all these sports you watch about every four years. Right. And you watch, and like, that's kind of cool. But then when you actually, if you've done it like you have, and you watch, you're like, holy shit, this is impressive. Right. And because you, you have the appreciation for it. Like I'll watch, you know, like I can watch sports I played. I mean, that's, that's incredible. But diving, like they're flipping. That looks crazy. Or like the gymnastics last night, we were watching the guy doing the pommel horse. I'm like, that's insane. Right. But if you actually do the pommel horse and find all the little, like, the little nuances of the hands and the spin and the shoulder angles. And they know it was such a critical eye. I'm just looking at him like he's just spinning all over the place. He's going to be dizzy when he gets off. Um, So like the shot put, like what's the, I guess the physics of all this. Like when you're talking about chucking these heavy weights. That was the, that was the downfall with um, what I had. Uh, I didn't have, I didn't even really have any coaching until I got to the college level. Um, I learned on my own and my father helped him. My brother helped a lot. Um, they also compete in it. Yeah. My brother wasn't very good. Sorry, Pete. Um, (laughs) but he, he also lost a ton of weight. So, which, uh, and he was good at, you know, other sports, you Mm know, um, I just, I was always a big kid. So I just, I threw basically just stood there and threw it, you know? And then as I started to get older in my senior year, I started to learn how to spin and things like that. And then I got to college it just stinks. If I would have had the, the, cause I coach at Saranac with Chris Verkey, yeah. you know, and I've seen what we've done with some athletes, especially him, but it, it just goes to show you what coaching can do for somebody. Um, but yeah, th- like I didn't know like the physics part of it, you know, what degree should I get the, where should my chest be, uh, pointed when I yeah. throw it, uh, what angle, it's all the technique. Exactly. You know, where should my feet be? Um, what foot am I supposed to, you know? what, what would you think technique versus strength? What's more important if you had to pick, like on a scale, like what percentage is more technique based versus strength based? Well, my senior year in states, you know, I I was competing against two other guys to, for the state championship: uh, Josh Dupuis, who's from Tupper, and Derek McGuire, who's from Watertown. And Derek McGuire is much bigger than you at the time. Wow. Yeah, and he ended up winning because his technique was flawless. Um, and that was what shot put. Shot put. Yeah, he 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 could spin across that ring faster than. That's the thing. The guy, the number one seed in the world right now, Ryan Krauser, he's my size, but he's actually, I'm sorry, he's probably a bit taller. He's about 6'5", um, but he's the number one seed in the world. But his technique and strength is is top notch. Is it when they spin, you get that like centri- centripetal force right, where you yes. just kind of like, you get the momentum building and then right. it just like basically right. catapults it out? Right. And that's the thing that Derek had is he had perfect form. Now, if I would have had, you know, good for, uh, just good form mm-hmm. and with the size and strength, when it been, but unfortunately, you know, he was just better coached than I was. He, he knew the form and all that stuff. And yeah, so. it's a, now, did you go to school with Furkey at Plattsburgh? No, he's for another guy. That's a lot older than I am. So <laughs> he, I just saw him, uh, he just went a couple disc, disc golf. Yeah. He's a big disc golf guy. I, yeah, I give him, I give him crap all the time. I'm like, do you play at all? Me? No, 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 no. I, I don't, I would like to, but I can't throw, I throw my shoulder I, out, but I always give him uh I'm always I'm always razzing him I'm like oh guy he almost qualified for the U.S. Olympics back in the day. And oh yeah, for yes for, for track and field. And yeah, then yeah. I'm like, 
I'm like, man, you almost qualify for the Olympics, but now you're playing disc golf. You know, I wonder so. if disc golf would be in the Olympics. You could, you could see him as an Olympian in disc golf. It's, it's kind of like cornhole. The uh, is cornhole? No, that's, no, but um, oh. the way it's going, you know, it's, it's on it's on ESPN. Yes, it is. We got yeah. we. Uh, are you good at cornhole? I I'm I'm uh, you know, I thought I was good. I thought I was one of the you know better players in the area, but then I just went to the Buster's tournament. Um, but and I'm not even. There's some guys that are sniffing it. No, I mean I'm I'm I I don't I'm not I don't suck, but I'm not. Like those, some of those guys. So, so, you know, when you, it's like pool or darts when you're right. like, I'm pretty good. And then you go up to guys that are really good. You're like, right. no, I'm not even close. Right. Like I remember like pool, there's guys that just run tables like crazy. Um, especially when you go play in like, I know there's a couple of ter- big tournaments locally with pool. One in Lake Placid, right? It's a big one down yep. there. But, um, like you see darts, especially when you see pro darts and they're just sitting there and it's almost like they're just placing the dart where they want it. Yep. And it's on this line. I'm just like, this is incredible. But again, it's muscle memory. It's just over time. Right. And, um, Cornhole's fun. I think cornhole, for the simplicity of cornhole, it is a fun game to play. It is. We, we just had a couple boards made. Actually, it's in the other the other office that are all logoed out. But it's like you, it's just like there's skill involved. But it's it's like it's not a lot of skill. And like it's kind of one like to be really good. Yes, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be you know keep it consistent. But a, a beginner could pick it up in a game, and all of a sudden now you're just like, hey, at least you're in the game. Right, right. Easy learning curve. So no, it's a lot of fun. I think. Uh, like I said, I never did track and field, but I find it like, like when you said of like how far you threw it and then how far they're throwing it, like holy shit! Like this is right. like there's yeah, a reason in the Olympics. I mean, the guy Ryan, he just broke the world record at 76 feet in the shot put, you know, and I, I threw 57 uh, feet, you know, it's it's just 76 goes, feet. Right. Wow. How and what's the shot put ball? That's again? the 16 pound, uh, ball. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, even just to pick that up is heavy. Right. Basically, he's throwing a bowling ball. 76 feet so and a lot of that is like you said just kind of pushing out of the hips and right. driving i mean you don't i mean it's from your hand but you're pushing out of your shoulder right kind of that central line right um and you, you used to do or do you still do olympic weightlifting no no that was just uh i did that for in college a lot and then i did it a little bit after but no i mean i still coach it at saranac yeah um for a few years um that was just the, the things when i first got to coaching at saranac all the kids wanted to do it and then mm-hmm. You know, things kind of times change and things like that. Things but no, progress, yeah. my body just doesn't. I uh, like I've been picking rocks a lot lately, and it's like I pick up one rock and Back's I'm like, oh you. my god, it's just, this hurts a lot. And it's, um, so yeah, it's like when when you start up and you're a kid and you just like get up. Like I watch my kids just spring out of bed, right. nothing hurts, knees are fine. Of course, my wife's always like, I need new knees, and I like look at my, you know, I'm always, <laughs> you know, get the kids will get out, my daughter will get out and be like, you know, basically saying like mommy wishes you, she had your knees because she's just jumping around and being like this little spring right. and there's nothing but uh it's almost like little jello knees and she's crushing it and then you know we're getting out of bed and like ah and you know i know it gets worse as you get older but it's like now you're starting to feel like okay this is what people talk about when they talk about getting older right. like i don't know the last time i woke up out of bed like jumped out of bed but i feel great i right. get out each morning like <laughs> right another day roll the neck kind of do a couple back stretches and right that's the that's why i love farming is uh I feel like I still have to use somewhat, you know, my, my strength to, to do it, you know? And if I didn't have farming, I don't know where I would, uh, as far as strength wise and st- stuff like that. Where do you think farm strength comes from? Just, I mean, it's just kind of like, like the guys from Moore Champlain, there's like Northeastern kids. There's a, that's a different breed of people up there. It is. It is. Um, you know, uh, farm strength. I, it just comes from her, you know, my family, you know, uh, my, I remember as this, I can lift, a lot heavier stones when I was 16 than I can now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just because you're always lifting something, even yeah. if it's something small, uh, you know, like a square bale or if it's, um, you were always lifting something. Um, and it's crazy because you ask, uh, like a guy from Morris or Champ, like a farm guy to go pick up 600 pound deadlift. They can't do it. Yeah. But you go to ask them to pick up the 600 pound rock. They probably can, you know, and I, it's, it's I got, weird. I got, I got a cousin that he never grew up on a farm. He grew up in like construction and, and just one of these guys that, at least in my head, probably the na- like just naturally strong guy. It doesn't work out. Like doesn't like if same thing. If he went and tried to do a deadlift, he technique wise probably wouldn't be great. But he can move anything. He's like an ox. Like he right. literally is just like like I think he can generate horsepower. And it's just one of those. I'm like it's insane how strong he is. And he, I mean, he's a big guy, but he's like he's probably your size. He's shorter than you are, you know. But he's just this big sturdy guy, and he can move stuff. And it's right. like, good lord, like where did that strength come from? Right. And um, yeah, there's something to be said by that, that and dad strength, right? Cause dad strength's another thing too. And you see those, like, you know, I just think at a certain age, you just like, it feels like you just finally morph into, Oh, I got some strength. I didn't know I could tap into now that right. I'm, you know, 50 year old dad. It's just weird. You're right. No, it's when you go to shake like my father's hand or, um, Jack Dragoon's hand or somebody like that. And that Dragoon's farm equipment, you know, he's, I don't know how old he is, but I, he's, I'm, I want to say he's in his seventies uh, or could he even be in his eighties? Yeah. And, uh, but when you shake his hand, it's like shaking a hand with a. It's like a vice. Yeah. It's you know, and um, that's always my my been my thing. That's why I got into the, you know, my I was washed up, you know, athlete. Get older, I started trying that arm wrestling thing for a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I still bug Gina about that. Do yeah. you know Gina took second place in arm wrestling? And there's only two people. Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait to tell my. I'm gonna tell the kids when I get home. I'm like, your mom was a second place uh, arm wrestling champion, and I remember watching the video because I. Yeah, I wasn't there. I watched the video and it was like, she, her hand went like, right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's the girl that beat her. She was from Morris, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, so funny. Right. Um, but grip strength has always been a, a I always want to keep a, I kind of get concerned because lately I've been, you know, when I go to, it feels like I'm losing a little bit of grip strength. And yeah. that's where I get, that's why I want to continue the farm because I always want to keep that, um, especially with DJing and carrying lugging equipment around and all that stuff. Um, I find my left. I feel like I have, I'm starting to get like, I don't know if it's arthritis, but it's almost like from texting my thumb, like my left thumb. This is really weak. Like right. almost to the point where sometimes I can't like lift up on it because right. it just, I, I feel like this whole thing is just giving out. But there's a guy I know, uh, who's actually a client and he goes something about shake my hand or something. Cause he's grip strength. And he like went in and he goes, all right, squeeze my hand. And I was like trying to squeeze as hard as I could. And then he goes like this, goes whoop. And I literally felt like it was constricting around my hand. Like, Holy crap. Right. This guy wasn't even that. I mean, he basically was just like, a, he could just go like, mm, you know, all of a sudden it felt like your hand was going to fall off. So there's something to be said by that. These guys right. that just have strength, but, um, Mike wrap it up there. Sure. Not too bad. Your first podcast. No, it was fun. I had it was a lot good. of fun. You said you were nervous, but you, you rolled right through. I don't yeah. think anybody's even going to notice. No, I mean, I'm sure people <laughs> notice some things, but I'm sure my uh, wife or brother, actually my father would probably be like. Get a play by play. Right. Right. He, um, but I really appreciate it. Yeah. Having me. Well, it c- kind of give us a plug. If anybody wants to uh, either tackle the, uh, the cattle or tackle the, uh, the big show productions, where can they find you? How can they get, in, you know, reach out, use your services? Um, so, yeah, if you just want to, you know, get some amazing Jubert Castein Farms beef, um, you can always reach us on Facebook. That's honestly the best place. Um, or you can contact me via cell phone. Uh, also, uh, the Big Show Productions, we also have a Facebook page for that. Um, but like I said, come 2023, we are only doing two weddings per month. And uh, when you book us, you either got to book all of our services or none of them. So uh, we're 
trying to transition into spending more family time. So we want to make it worth our while. So again, uh, give us a call and things like that. So, and I personally used you for both of them and I can, I can say third party, very, you guys are great at both at what you do and great family. Um, shout out to Renee and the girls and yeah, no, that's it. That is episode 147 with Michael Castine. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.